And ladies and gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No. Because I'm going to get him. And welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. So glad to, uh, just, just so glad that we're able to broadcast to you. Um, and thank you so much for your belief and your trust in us. We broadcast over three platforms, Global Star Radio Network, Blog Talk Radio, and of course YouTube Live, where you can watch us live. Uh, our two websites of primary, uh, two primary websites, Hagman and Hagman.com. There you can watch us live. Um, HagmanReport.com. That's for all of the news and information articles of of interest, of course. Uh, get your cutting-edge news there. Please bookmark HagmanReport.com as well as, uh, of course, our YouTube channel. We ask, we humbly ask, even if you're listening to this on any venue, and even if you never have a desire to or an intention to uh, watch our video, uh, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. That does elevate our visibility. And that brings me to this opening statement. Uh, I don't know whether how, I, look, I don't, folks, I don't know how many people, uh, are aware of what, uh, Infowars Alex Jones is going through right now with respect to AdRoll, the, um, the firm, uh, that, uh, if, if you don't know what I'm talking about, uh, I would, I would suggest, uh, visiting Infowars.com. Uh, if you do know what I'm talking about, understand that, that this is a fact, uh, a, a, a factor, I guess, in the censorship of the new media, of the independent media. And this is a tactic that is going to be used and is being used across the board on media platforms, including, but not limited to InfoWars, but ours as well. Now, it, 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 some of this you'll never see. It's kind of like sausage making. You, you'll never see it, uh, unless you're behind the scenes. But, uh, this is in part why we ask you to subscribe. Uh, this is why we ask, you know, for your patience, for your support, for your prayers, because this is a war going on right now. And I'm, I'm just going to leave it right there. And, and Alex Jones, his righteous indignation, I mean, he, he has, he has every right to be upset because, look, January 26, 2012, we were kicked off of GoDaddy, for example, because we allegedly violated their terms of service. We were given 48 hours to, to get off GoDaddy's servers. Censorship. In my view, we violated no terms of service. I, in fact, I watched the 2012 interview with Alex Jones, uh, or with InfoWars, I did. And, uh, laugh because, wow, you know, we've, we've, we have grown. Um, then of course, when we had, uh, stood up and said, no, we're not going to carry on with, uh, any, with, uh, various companies that, uh, promote or advocate the same sex marriage. And I understand the oxymoronic nature of that statement. Then of course, we suffered our own financial setback of close to a hundred thousand dollars. Uh, and that was, that was concurrent with the Obergefell decision or the court case, uh, Supreme Court case of Obergefell. And so we've, we've been through the rounds there. We're also going through the rounds again, even now. 
And that's why yesterday, when we opened yesterday, that's why I was very upset and still am. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you one thing. If the alternative media, the new media, if we don't band together, and I'm talking about all of us, if we don't band together, we are going to hang separately. And that's why I am so proud to have with us today Paul McGuire from paulmcguire.us. Uh, I'm going to bring Joe on, and then Joe can bring Paul on. But I just want to open with that statement. And, folks, let me tell you, the war is just starting. And it's a war, and you've got no idea the fights, the, the battles that we're fighting. Why aren't we talking about some of them? Because legally, we cannot. Uh, that's all I'm going to say. But if you knew the back stories, the backroom stories... I think you would think a little bit differently about the independent media and the voracious. Uh, is that a word, voracious? Yeah, I guess it is. I have no idea. All right. Yes. Okay. Thanks, Paul. <laughs> All right, Joe. Anyway, it's great to be here. Yeah, and uh, Paul McGuire is our guest. I don't want to take any time away from him. Uh, just a couple things on on Hagman Report. Put up a few stories this morning. One was rather interesting. MSNBC's Mika Brzezinski on Morning Joe actually said it's our job to control exactly what people think. Very important. And, and let me just say this. We think enough of you, our listening audience. Look, you know how to think for yourselves. You can think for yourself. We're not going to tell you how to think. Paul McGuire is not going to tell you how to think. You know how to think. And you've got that God-given ability, so use it. Joe. Absolutely. And the, the second thing I want to mention, um, I'm keeping my eyes on the uh, what James O'Keefe is doing. Apparently tomorrow he's going to release hundreds of hours of inside newsroom footage, I guess primarily of CNN, behind-the-scenes footage. Uh, and apparently, from what he says, it's pretty damaging. And I know his organization does good work, so um, we're keeping our eyes on that. But with that, let's bring Paul McGuire from paulmcguire.us on. He's the host of the Paul McGuire Report on Blog Talk Radio, 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday. Paul, it's great to have you back on the show. Doug, Joe, great to be back on your show as usual, and uh, thank you for having me on. You're the man. I I, I love uh, I love your uh, your set, Babylon Code, of course. Um, Got to tell you, folks, Babylon Code, Mass Awakening. Get all of Paul's books. Go to PaulMcGuire.us. The fabulous books. Um, I just I you know I still read. Actually, I I read Babylon Code. Um, so it's on my nightstand, as is Mass Awakening. So, good stuff. Go ahead, Paul. Well, it's great to be on your show, and it was interesting what you uh, uh, talked about. And uh, before I knew uh, what kind of questions you, you were going to ask me uh, for today, um, this whole thing, I didn't know about the uh, the uh, advertising dollar hit uh, against InfoWars. Um but it's it's interesting that you talk about this because I've been obsessed with this whole um, thing about fake news and uh, constant references by the fake news media uh, to call the truthful or, or, or alternative media uh, Orwellian or 1984. Now, I grew up, uh, as you guys know, in Jackson Heights, Queens, PS69. I didn't grow up in the school, <laughs> but that's where I went to school. So in third grade... Uh, I did my book reports on uh, George Orwell's 1984 and Brave New World. And I totally got 
1984 in Orwell's book uh, because uh, because of the childhood I had. I, I was surrounded by people who thought and and they thought out of the box. Let's just put it that way. So what we're looking at is George Orwell's 1984 coming to life at hyperspeed. And uh, Joe, you made reference to uh, the Brzezinski girl. I assume she's the the, the daughter of yep. uh, of Zbigniew. Uh, yeah, she's a she's demonic a spawn of Zig Brzezinski. Yes, right. Yeah. Okay. So Brzezinski, as you guys know, and most of your audience knows, he's the guy who wrote books like uh, the Grand Ch- uh, Chess Game or Chessboard. Uh, he's the co-founder of the Trilateral Commission. He's the globalist of globalists. And he advocated in 1976 in his book the use of psychotronic weapons, uh, uh, mind control, and all kinds of things. So isn't it interesting that his daughter uh, has genetically, I guess it's been passed on, the, 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 the genes of fascism uh, seem to be very active in her biological system because the job of the news media in a free nation is not to control the people. Now, her her uh, father advocated the control of the people because that's what uh, Huxley, who wrote um, uh, Brave New World and called for a scientific dictatorship where the elite would be so programmed and so brainwashed by the media that they would love their slavery and they wouldn't even know they were slaves. So right now we're in the most intense media war. And let me say something of good news first. First is that if the powers behind um, the demonization of Alex Jones and the assault on alternative media, if they were not truly frightened of the power of alternative media, if they didn't perceive that alternative media was an enormous threat, they wouldn't be spending so much time attacking them. The very fact that we see them attacking alternative media with such aggressiveness is like a giant neon sign that we should be saying they're actually saying to us if we're if our perception is heightened they're saying to us we are afraid of you we know that you have the power to uh bring this nation back under its constitutional freedoms like freedom of speech freedom of religion uh, uh freedom of the press and so on and so forth we know that you have the power to bring those freedoms back. So when they attack Alex Jones or any other member of the alternative media, they are essentially shouting, we are scared, we are frightened, because from a rational, logical basis, their overreaction, and it is an overreaction, their overreaction betrays their fear. And second, and secondly, who's ever behind this uh, PSYOPs? to do this, uh, psychological operations, you're looking at who, whoever it is. They, these people are like low-level, incompetent, psyop people. Now, I don't want to say that again. They, they're amateurs. I don't care if they're professionals at the game of mass psyops. But the reality is they're, they're amateurs. They're like bumbling idiots. And the reason they're bumbling idiots is because they don't really understand psyops. They have read, for example, you see, they cheated in their college courses at the military academy, and they read psyops for dummies. 
because they couldn't understand the complexity of real psyops. Now, as you know, I'm not a big fan of uh, the person I'm going to mention, his belief system. In fact, I am very uh, against his belief system. But when you read Colonel uh, Michael Aquino, the uh, uh, once Satanist, I don't know what he would classify himself now as, but he's probably the most uh, leading authority on PSYOPs in the world today. And he had a position high up in the NSA, and he wrote a book called Mind Wars. And as you, you know, he contacted me after reading my book, A Prophecy of the Future of America. And I read his book, Mind Wars. And this guy understands sophisticated psyops. If you compared what he is talking about in, in his book, Mind Wars, with this buffoonery uh, of people who are planning their psyops and only read psyops for dummies, you'd see how ludicrous it is. So the bottom line here is, even though this is a dangerous threat to freedom, the current level of intelligence of people running this PSYOPs operation, uh, their intellectual level is uh, basically synonymous with people who did not go to class uh, for PSYOPs. They instead uh, opted to read PSYOPs for dummies. Exactly. And, and very well said. Um, Prophecy of the Future of America folks uh right here uh also the prophecy of the future of america 2016 2017 uh two different books by the way but uh fantastic groundwork paul that you've laid with your writings your research and of course your presentation go ahead and continue man well the other thing is uh being that um, i was obsessed with george orwell's novel 1984 in third grade and also a brave new world by Aldous Huxley. And don't, I mean, I had, I gave a book report on it and my teachers didn't understand the books at all. And I noticed that the media has been making reference, for example, to Donald Trump and his administration as being, uh, you know, a fulfillment of George Orwell's 1984 and that a Broadway, uh, theater production is going to, uh, uh be released on Broadway. Uh, about Orwell, and I think they're going to call it 1984. But the thing is, all these liberal mainstream media people, uh, they don't get 1984, and if they do get it, they have twisted it. If Orwell was alive, and he was sitting in the, in the studio with you guys right now, if George Orwell was alive, he would, without any question, point to the mainstream media um, as the primary source of fake news, and he would point to the mainstream media, including the Brzezinski girl, um, as being uh, the very people that he was warning about in 1984. Orwell wasn't warning about the alternative media, but by no stretch of the imagination. They've turned it upside down. Orwell was warning about what I call the media-industrial complex, because the mass media that we have today is in the business of scientific mind control, persuasion, uh, propaganda, and, and things of that nature. So because, again, we're dealing with very clumsy individuals who don't even get the basics of PSYOPs, they create this, uh, they believe, is a very effective weapon in, in the battle for the hearts and minds of mankind, they developed this concept 
called fake news. And essentially, the proper definition of fake news is anybody who disagrees with us, the mainstream media, is is automatically fake news. And 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 Paul, okay. yesterday, uh, Don Lemon on CNN was interviewing a panel. I think there were four or five people. Uh, and Don Lemon asked one of the panelists, "What is your definition of, of fake news?" And this this panelist, and he was a African American man. Yeah, I know I, what you're talking about. I, 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 it was they were talking about the uh, Secret Service protection for Trump and his right. family. If it was the uh, cost, dollar cost, yeah, right. And and he asked the panelist opinion on it, and the panelist said, "Well, this is fake news. What we're talking about here." And then Don Lemon had this uh, real bad reaction, saying, uh, "Well, then you're part of the fake news story." And right. Um, you know, and then he did ask him to define fake news, and and he said, and he ended up "What off. this is right here." And then Lemon took out his earpiece and just turned around and and you know said that basically the segment's over. But so so just to be clear, your definition, Paul Paul McGuire's definition, and I think it would be the same as ours, is fake news is anything that does not is not consistent with what the corporate capture corporate Illuminati controlled mass media says it is. Right. right. Okay. Right. It's just it, all it is is it's a con game. It's it's a it's a bad poker game, so so see the the mainstream media, I mean this this is the factual basis for everything we're talking about. The mainstream media uh, used to control the thoughts of all Americans for the last forty years. Like when I was a kid, probably when you guys were kids, uh, at different ages of course, but you were kids at one time, and I was and. I want to be very, very honest with you. I, I said this to my wife. I've said this to my wife for 20 or 30 years, long before this fake news came out. And, you know, I even contemplated uh, doing something about it in terms of legal action. People are uh, uh, brutalized, abused, and molested. And, 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 and on one hand, people are going to think I'm being satirical, but I'm not. I'm very serious. I believe, and this is before fake news, this was back when I was a hippie, a radical liberal, demonstrating with the radical socialists. Um, I believed, even back then, that I was being psychologically molested, psychologically abused by CBS, NBC, and ABC, and people like Dan Rather in 60 Minutes. Because even though I couldn't process it, even though I didn't have the intellectual strength to really really get my hands around it, I always had, watching those three networks, NBC, ABC, CBS, this awkward, intuitive feeling that I was being lied to, that I was being manipulated, and that they were distorting and concealing the truth, manipulating the facts for some kind of hidden agenda, which back then, I didn't know what their hidden agenda is. Today, I do. So, for years, I've carried with me this sense of uh, trauma, you may think it's satirical, but it's not. Uh, now, I'm a big boy, and I got over it, but, but I was traumatized as a child watching the three networks because, you know, children uh, are created with an instinctual uh, uh, knowledge of, of what is true and what is false. And so on an instinctual level as a young child, when I would watch these three networks, um, you know, they were, they, they, these guys like Dan Rather and Brokaw and uh, Brian Williams and K K Katie Couric and the rest of them, they were supposed to be the, the epitome of credibility and journalistic ethics. But I could sense as a young child intuitively that they were, like, fraudulent. So to this day, 
I believe they've done tremendous psycholo- measurable psychological damage. This is my personal opinion. Uh, tremendous psychological damage to, to the American public. Because under the guise of pretending to be journalistically ethical, which they were not, under the guise of saying that they had no agenda, which they did, they were essentially the Orwellian, George Orwell's thought police. They were the extension of Big Brother. They were programming the American public, just like Orwell talked about when he used expressions like freedom is slavery, freedom is slavery, war is peace in their broadcasts. And as an adult, when I finally got around them and did my own research, I discovered that they were the agents uh, for a one-world agenda, uh, a one-world government, uh, the disarmament of the United Nations, the promotion of the UN as a global government, that they were actually the, the spokespeople for the globalist elite. And this whole fake news versus... Uh, uh, mainstream media, media news comes down to this. The mainstream media, with all their money, with all their billions and billions of dollars for advertising, for buildings, for broadcast facilities, for paying for stars and wardrobe and lighting, billions and billions and billions of dollars. I mean, they have this all comprehensive media complex which dominates the consciousness of this nation. With all their money and their power and their writers and their stars and their deep connections to international banks, they have been put on the run. They have been defeated by, by a small group of, uh, ordinary people who, who are operating on like shoestring budgets or very modest budgets. They have been defeated in the area of ideas by the alternative news media, yep. and and so this is a jealous reaction. This is an act. This is a reaction of jealousy, and we want to shut you up because you're beating us with all our power and money. You're exposing us as the frauds and liars that we are. You, you know, it, sorry. It, it's interesting too. A couple of comments on what you just said uh, about journalists and about the end product, the regurgitated product of, of people uh, well, we'll go back into the 60s for example Howard K. Smith uh, Walter Cronkite of course the granddaddy of them all and, and where I saw um, at least in my view the uh, uh, how the product which is the news at that time was uh, refined is when and I had mentioned this earlier in the week there was a show on I think Monday uh, I think American Heroes channel or some obscure channel where they released uh, raw footage of the Kennedy assassination from different um, well I, that included some reporters raw information spewing, spewing out over the airwaves, television airwaves when you look at that footage of the reporters out of breath coming into the studio, this is what we know. And, you know, looking at the sheets and sweating and smoking and, and, you know, just, just saying, man, you know, the, the, the breaking story and bam, bam, they're giving you facts. Um, and then you look a couple, well, three, four, five, six, six hours later at the end product where it comes out of the mouth of, uh, Cronkite or some other anchor. The difference, the disparity between that, that moment of frenzy and just the facts and here's what's going on 
to this polished product that's uh, aimed at uh, uh, convincing the listener or viewer of what is true. It was starkly different in my view. And I think people have to really kind of think about that for a moment and understand, again, you've got the, the up-to-the-minute right now reporting, here it is, sweating, cigarette in one hand, notebook in another, phone, you know, uh, on the shoulder, kind of saying this is going on, happening right now, and then, of course, the, the versus the end, end polished product. That's one thing. And, um, well, I'll just, I'll, I'll just leave it at that because I think that's extremely important for people to understand how how this programming is really brought to the American people, and you and you referenced it there with what you said. Well, you're right, and you can take any any pivotal moment in U.S. history, any great historic moment, and you just made reference to, to one of the greatest historic moments in the last 50, 60 years, and that was the Kennedy assassination. And no matter what you think about the conclusion, it's obvious from watching the footage of the uh, Walter Cronkite especially and CBS and NBC and ABC, that they did not do a proper investigation, that they were covering something up, they weren't following up on leads, they weren't telling the truth. Um, that is a glaring example. No, no, no matter what you think happened with the Kennedy assassination, even if you think it, it, it happened according to the official story or this theory or that theory or the other theory. It is blatantly obvious that the major news networks did, in reality, no public uh, investigative reporting, uh, no digging around, no serious journalism. They simply were propagandists. And what that is is a massive violation of trust and its betrayal between the American people who are trusting the free press to do their job. It's a massive betrayal. It's a massive violation of trust at, 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 at a, at, at a heavy level. Okay. It, it's to me the equivalent, uh, of some, of somebody who's married committing adultery on their spouse. It's a violation of, of the deepest covenant. Paul, uh, we're going to pick. We're going to pick right up after the break. You're listening to the Hagman and Hagman Report. Paul McGuire is our guest. PaulMcGuire.us. Give us three minutes. We'll be right back. Visit HagmanReport.com for the news and articles that matter most. Stay tuned. We will be right back. In a thrilling series of novels, T.C. Joseph takes us into the lives of three families who struggle to maintain normal lives in a world where conspiracy theory and Bible prophecy collide. 
T.C. Joseph's viewpoint of alternative history and understanding of prophetic events will change your view of the world and the events on our horizon. Kirkus Review states, Readers of End Times Fiction will be hard-pressed to find it done more intriguingly than this. Extremely readable and fast-paced. Blue Week Reviews boldly states, Fans of Tim LaHaye's Left Behind series and Tom Parada's The Leftovers will find this thought-provoking series absolutely riveting. Order your copies of T.C. Joseph's This Generation series from Amazon.com. Book 1, Precipice. Book 2, Pentecost. And Book 3, Penance. In these uncertain times, it makes sense to have a sustainable backup method to cook food and boil water. If your current plan includes using a fuel-burning stove or cooking over an open fire, then there's a much better way. The Miniman Rocket Stove is a biomass-burning cooking stove that only requires small quantities of sticks and twigs for fuel. The Miniman Stove is easy to use, smokeless, portable, powerful, and sustainable. For the finest in survival cooking stoves and fire starters made right here in the USA, go to MinutemanStove.com. That's MinutemanStove.com. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden. Exposing the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. Hagman and Hagman Reporter, very special guest, Mr. Paul McGuire, paulmcguire.us. Visit his website, grab it, hold of his books, uh, Prophecy of the Future of America, Mass Awakening. I had the uh, honor of doing the forward to that. Um, that's one of my favorite books of all time. And uh, uh, just visit paulmcguire.us. Look at, look at his articles, his research products, fantastic things that he does. He's got a great DVD package as well. Highly recommended for anyone. And you know, you can always give those away to people as, uh, buy them for others as tools to awaken others. It's so important to be awake right now. We are, I believe we are entering into a very dangerous time. A couple of announcements before, uh, we get back to Paul. I'm going to be on coast to coast tonight with George Norrie going to drop in just briefly at the beginning at the top of the show to just to talk about some uh, terrorism in general. That's tonight. I'll be on Coast to Coast AM with uh, George Norrie briefly. And also want to remind everyone, please, please sign up for Awaken to the Shaken, the conference and just north of Chicago, Illinois, in Gurney, Illinois. That's going to be May 5th and 6th. Uh, Paul Begley is putting that on, Pastor Paul Begley, 
uh, go to uh, paulbegleyprophecy.com. We're going to be there with Russ Dizdar as well as uh, Paul Begley, and I'm going to be giving uh, a couple of presentations that include, but are not limited to, of course, uh, uh, providing courtroom exhibits um, or courtroom-ready exhibits about the Islamic training centers here in the United States, up-to-date information, and that's going to be one of the two presentations that are going to be on top. Um, now, getting back to uh, Paul McGuire, don't forget, folks, back in November of 2017, or uh, November of, uh, back last year, whenever it was, the NDAA Act of 2017, which brought in uh, the Board of uh, Broadcast Governors, course, uh, directed by the Pentagon, essentially federalized our news media. Uh, Obama signs signed the bill federalizing all media, essentially. It destroyed, or attempted to destroy, I shouldn't say destroyed, it, it was attempting it or shot across the bow of alternative independent media, which they have uh, dubbed as fake news, as Paul McGuire stated. So, getting back to Paul McGuire, Paul, go ahead and continue. I know that uh, you look at the headlines on Drudge, for example, there's some interesting pieces pointing to what you had described as supposedly fake news and some programming uh, as well that we had talked about right before or during the break. Sure. I, I'm going to get into this uh, uh, Homeland episode in a, in a second, but before I do, you know, uh, growing up in New York City in an atheist family where everybody was liberal, including myself, the New York Times was our Bible on, on Sunday morning. We all uh, sat around and read sections of the New York Times. And, you know, back then, the New York Times was, was a liberal paper, but it made a significant effort to display journalistic integrity, and it had a sense of fairness to it, which gave it integrity. And many other liberal publications back then um, had uh, integrity. They leaned hard to the left, but at least they made an effort to be ethical and to have journalist integrity. Today, we, we don't even see that anymore. I was watching Homeland. Uh, I, I had enjoyed the original series and hadn't seen it in about a year, and uh, m- my particular satellite provider uh, was offering, like, three days you could watch Showtime or whatever for free. So I happened to catch this episode, um where they spent a lot of money on it. And then as I'm watching this episode, there is this uh, extreme right, alternative right radio talk show host who, 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 who has an English accent and a beard, but it's obvious that he is Alex Jones because he's mimicking Alex Jones' mannerisms and, uh, um, he, he, you know, he is, he is personifying Alex Jones but looking different and embellishing it. And I'm watching this thing, and the, and the, and what hits me immediately, within three seconds, is that this is psyops, this is psychological operations, this is propaganda, because obviously the media industrial complex, it, it, Alex Jones is not this fringe uh, tinfoil hat conspiracy guy. He's actually a guy whose uh, ratings on his program vastly exceeds. Uh, I believe Morning Joe's show with the Brzezinski girl and many, many other uh, so-called mainstream media shows. And he only has a fraction of the budget. And yet he is so threatening to this this Goliath of a media establishment 
that they're attacking him in Homeland. Now, uh, then there are a couple of themes came out. First of all, the, the guy who was playing the Alex Jones radio talk show host, they they portrayed him as, as as going partially mentally unstable. So they're saying he's partially insane and de- dangerous. Secondly, uh, the female lead, that the big spy with the blonde hair, I forgot her name. Uh, her boyfriend got really injured in a previous episode, and so like he's not all there mentally. He's like partially insane. They're, they're saying, but he's a big fan of this Alex Jones show, and it's obvious it's Alex Jones. And so they're making, what they're saying is that people who are attracted to this show are mentally uh, unstable. That's that's the, uh, the, the psyop part of it. In addition, the other psyop part of Homeland is that um, the host himself is psychologically unstable. Then... Uh, with uncanny, uncanny accuracy, the producers and writers for Homeland uh, have uh, a female president. This is the beginning of a new uh, ep- uh, part of the series. Female president, so they got that wrong. And then as the show goes on with terrorism, the female president's assistant turns out to be a big fan of the Alex Jones show. And then the female president is watching this Alex Jones show on Homeland. So right in that one episode, we see all of this embedded psyops. The psyops we see is that people who watch him are partially crazy and unbalanced. And you can see where the show is leading, because it's leading to the place that there's going to be some kind of uh, 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 terrorist incident that's going to be cataclysmic. And you can just figure out and predict, because the, the, because they're, they're, the writers, they must have switched them. They're not as good as they used to be. The writers have already indicated that there's going to be some kind of huge terrorist event, and you can tell that they're laying the groundwork to blame the event, not on the militant Islamic terrorists, because the sub-communication is that the militant Islamic terrorists are not the danger. The real danger to America are conservatives, people who believe in the Constitution, people who watch Alex Jones or listen to Alex Jones. They're the real domestic terrorists. So this is all a psyops designed to plant into the subconscious of countless millions of Americans that it's not the Muslims that are the the, the greatest threat to America. It's the white extremists uh, who are believe in the Constitution who watch Alex Jones. They're mentally unstable, uh, uh, mentally unstable. Hillary laid the groundwork when she deliberately chose the mind control word. She called them the deplorables. That wasn't a slip of the tongue by Hillary. They planned that out in a meeting. That, that was a psyops word. Deplorables. That was like a, a soft run at identifying uh, Alex Jones uh, viewers or people that are uh, voters, uh, people who voted for Donald Trump are, are these crazy maniacs, more dangerous to America than the Muslims. And that's the, what they're going. So they've completely reversed uh, the, ba- the basic foundation of the show used to be that the CIA and the intelligence agencies were battling the Muslim terrorists in, in, who have infiltrated America. Now, they've done a 180-degree turn, uh, and the real terrorists that the CIA and the government has to fight 
are the Alex Jones, the, the Donald Trump voters. This is a PSYOPs operation with the eventual uh, uh, planned uh, uh, destination of ripping all alternative media, including religious, religious alternative media, ripping it from the Internet, ripping it from broadcast, ripping it from the radio, and censoring it and making it illegal and a hate crime. And it will probably be the, the, the crime that people will commit in a court of law uh, who hosts these shows uh, will be it'll be done under some kind of anti-terrorism act. So this is an ultimate Nazi-like uh, operation designed to completely remove, in Orwellian style, any any attempt to to uh, criticize the mainstream media and this globalist program of forcing us, whether we like it or not to unite with militant Islamic extremists. But Paul, let me ask this question of you. We have long talked about this. You have long talked about this, and, and I totally agree with you on, on, on what you're saying here. We, the, the alternative media, and especially the Christian biased alternative media or new media, I, I don't like alternative media. I don't like that phrase. I, I guess sometimes hard, old habits are difficult to break, but the independent media, and especially the Christian media is, in fact, uh, in in my view, and is consistent with yours. We're in the crosshairs of the globalists, and we, at some point in time, I believe they will criminalize us. And I think on that road to criminalization, the incremental censorship by way of removing uh, methods of funding, uh, as we saw with uh, Infowars, and and censorship, as we see with uh, playing with our numbers. Because numbers, folks, uh, dictate rates or add revenue or add, add interest, for example. So they'll look at your numbers and say, well, you know what? You're not really pulling in a lot of numbers. Um, so we're not going to really, nah, thanks. We're going to pass. But see, that's how they, uh, the powers attempt to censor your, your message by way, by way of the pocketbook. But my question to you, uh, Paul is, why haven't we seen this yet? Uh, this move to criminalize the speech. We saw, I mean, we're, we're seeing some pretty heavy blows, but not, not the criminalization part yet here in America. Well, not yet because as you just said, they, they work incrementally. And also, uh, I think they were caught with a curveball. I, I, I really, I really believe that uh, people in many uh, places of high power, either in terms of uh, shadow government or actual government or, or, or the mainstream media, etc., they truly believed that Hillary Clinton was going to win the presidency. It was a slam dunk for her. So this whole thing with Donald Trump getting into the White House has caught them off guard. And as such, it's delayed their schedule and they're ha- having to recalibrate their strategy. Now, the other thing is, um, I can't tell you, you know I do a lot of research, Doug. So I'm finishing a new book, even as we talk, before this stuff with Alex Jones and everything came out. And I'm, I'm doing intensive research into a number of areas. I, I deal with these areas uh, in great length in, like, Mass Awakening that you were kind enough to write the forward to, and A Prophecy of the Future of America, and uh, Prophecy of the Future of America 2016-2017, uh, 
and other books. I, I deal with what we're talking about now because it's so important. So I'm going to try to say this as quickly as I can. Before I say it, though, I want to add this remark, uh, which is in, in my books heavily, because I think people, people need to self-educate themselves because knowledge is power. The primary basis for scientific mind control or programming requires that the population is dumbed down. And our population, via the school system and the media primarily, have uh, dumbed down uh, the American public for the last 60 years. Um, people are not capable of thinking analytically. They can't look at the big picture. They have no knowledge of history. They have no knowledge of philosophy. They can't see through propaganda, uh, most of them. They're in a, uh, a, a trance state, you know, not zombie-like trance state, but they're in a trance state. And that is necessary to make people compliant and never question anything. So they've been scientifically dumbed down. Now, now, this isn't just Paul McGuire saying this. I talk about it in Mass Awakening and the other books. The Frankfurt School in Germany, uh, was created by a bunch of Marxist professors who were formerly in Moscow working for um, uh, Lenin and uh, and the uh, Communist Party and the KGB. They left, these communist professors left to establish the Marxist uh, school called the Frankfurt School in Germany because they believed that the most effective way to initiate a communist Marxist revolution in America and Europe would be to do it through a cultural media revolution, okay? And so all these Marxist intellectuals and thinkers spent a great deal of time laying out a game plan, which is which has been in place for, uh, since 1930, uh, in America especially. And the, the Marxist Frankfurt professors of the Frankfurt School said this, through culture, through things like political correctness, through uh, the manipulation of the media, they said their number one goal was to destroy Christianity, the number two goal was to destroy uh, traditional marriage and family, and the number three goal was to destroy any sense of patriotism and nationalism. And so everything they do was designed to destroy those fundamental institutions because they knew if they could destroy those fundamental institutions, they could shatter America, and conquest would be easy. So, we're in a climate where people are scientifically dumbed down. And with the Alex Jones thing, you know, people 20 years ago would have seen right through that and laughed how preposterous it is, because it's just openly transparent, in-your-face, psychological operations. So they're constantly manipulating information. The whole fake news thing is nothing more because the Frankfurt School Marxists, one of their specializations is to use language, vocabulary, words, and terms to program people or place people under mind control. That's why they use political correctness. Orwell did this in his book, 1984. So 
this uh, demonization of, of people who believe in the Constitution, who are free thinkers, by the mainstream media comes right out of the Frankfurt School. And what they're intending to do is program the American people to hate America, uh, want a globalist uh, government, want a totalitarian government. And the interesting thing is, when you read back into the actual uh, uh, plans of the Frankfurt School, which I quote in my books, they said in, in the 1930s that whenever an individual should rise up in America or Europe and talk about the need to be patriotic or talk about the need for nationalism, they said the most effective way to destroy that individual is to, to accuse that individual in the media constantly, 24-7, of being a fascist, of being a Nazi, and being like Adolf Hitler. So what do you hear the mainstream media saying almost word for word when they're criticizing uh, Trump? They're calling him a Nazi, a fascist, uh, 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 an Adolf Hitler, and that's right out of a playbook developed in the 1930s. So, where are we going to go from here, Paul? Are we going to see the uh, this continue to intensify in the, in the with the talking heads in the media and other people, um, you know, the the outspoken um, political left, if you will, or are people going to uh, is is the rhetoric and and the division and hatred going to kind of die down? What do you expect to see in the near future? In the near future, I expect to see a quantum acceleration of anger and rhetoric. I expect to see uh, uh, base. I'm not advocating this, obviously, but I, I expect to see a vast increase in violence, domestic terrorism. Every imaginable horror is going to increase because it's heavily financed by very powerful people who have billions of dollars to spend, and it's being organized by professional, very high-level organizers. Uh, you take the demonstrations at JFK. Well, anybody who's been to New York knows that people don't want to go from Queens or Manhattan or anywhere and go all the way out to JFK. It's a nightmare. But why did so many people show up to demonstrate during a working day? Because they got paid $50 cash, and they got their transportation paid for. They were given a free lunch. So these were demonstrators that were paid to be there. That's why there were so many of them. It wasn't an honest expression of outrage. And then when you see constantly, at a moment's notice, an event will happen, and you'll see mass demonstrations all over the United States, these are all being coordinated from a central planning committee. They're, they all have financing. They all have advanced net notice. People have to understand that there is a vast network that has been in place for a long time, but now it's fully operational. There's a vast network of demonstrators, anarchists, and people who want to see America destroyed because they're Marxists. It's already in place. And then with social media, you can drive it even faster. Now, one thing I want to bring up, which I brought up before, and that is this uh, PSYOP principle or psychological operations principle called emotional contagion. 
And I wrote about emotional contagion and mass awakening and the new book, A Prophecy of the Future of America, 2016-2017, and the four DVD set. And I also wrote about it in the first, A Prophecy of the Future of America. Emotional contagion is a psychological operations strategy that involves uh, capturing the highest level emotion, let's say, of anger or outrage or injustice or the desire for revolution. Um, you capture that, bo- it's, it's, it's at the boiling point, it's exploding. You capture that emotion uh, and it acts like a virus. Therefore, it's an emotional contagion. The emotion is the, the propensity to be violent and demonstrate and 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 tear down the government. So you you transmit that uh, emotional virus the fastest way you can is you can cause the emotional contagion to spread in a matter of hours or 24 hours to millions of people, and through through things like Facebook and Twitter and YouTube and every social media. Uh, thing imaginable, emails and every type of social media, uh, internet radio, uh, TV broadcasting, whatever. You, you, you pass that emotional contagion on and you target it to the group that are most, uh, liable to, to act on it. And that's how, uh, these groups and these groups that caused regime changes in Middle Eastern nations they toppled numerous governments using the internet, social media, and emotional contagion. That was financed by the same super billionaires that are financing these demonstrations in the United States. So the same operatives, the same psychological operations people, and the same billionaires that created the Arab Spring, because the Arab Spring revolutions were created by emotional contagion virally through social media. They're doing that. All these demonstrations that you're seeing everywhere are the result of a psychological operation strategy that incorporates emotional contagion, which is spreading virally the emotion to demonstrate and tear down an existing order with the end game of revolution and regime change. We only have, um, hang on, I'm going to toss it to you, but Paul, I, I, I did a video on Sunday. That's exactly, look, the, the refinement, we, we, yeah, we got about two minutes to break, but the refinement of the, the, the operations, the, the, the uh, marches that we see, the, the women's march in uh, Washington and cities all across the United States, the uh, uh, protest, whether it's resist fascism or millennials for revolution, whatever anarchist arm of the larger group, we're seeing this across the country, is is being ref- it has been refined over the last two decades. It's coming out of the college campuses. Um, I want people just to remember the name George Sicarello Mayor. M-A-H-E-R, George, I believe it's Sicarello Mayor. Um, he, he's a professor, associate professor of politics and global studies at Drexel University in Philadelphia. Watch him. He's a, 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 a avowed communist. But people like him and uh, following the Ayers, uh, Bill Ayers School of uh, Thought, these are the people, as you pointed out, who are controlling the, uh, uh, the environment. Go ahead, Joe. Yeah, and, and I guess, Dad, you just kind of answered my question. Um, obviously, this is not something that 
you know, that has been organized since the election. This has gone back um, over some time uh, through the Obama administration. I wonder, though, how much, uh, you know, we saw how the news media pushed for Hillary Clinton. You had Congress and senators saying, oh, you know, there's no chance Trump can win. You had the media saying that there was zero chance Trump could win. So that makes me question, you know, was this uh, something that's been in the planning stages for a while in order to roll out against the next opponent who was in charge, or was this rolled out specifically for Trump? And obviously their end game is chaos, but um, as I said, this is not something that has been, you know, just patched together since the election as a natural response to the Trump presidency. This is something that has been much more organized. Yeah, and Paul, if you can speak on the deep state when we come back, um, as it relates to the Obama uh, staying in D.C., mm-hmm. the people behind that. Go ahead. And how much of the Obama administration involved inside and outside of the deep state are, you know, the ones... Um, who are creating all this turmoil for the Trump administration, yeah, and like the leaks. We're not talking um, political, by the way. We're talking... A little bit. I saw John well, McCain today was was fingered by the White House for being the source of the White House transcripts of the phone calls between um, leaders. And we know John McCain and Lindsey Graham have been two senators on the wrong side of uh, life <laughs> since they've been in office. But we're, we're going to get your take when we come back, folks. We're talking with Paul McGuire, paulmcguire.us, the Paul McGuire Report on Blog Talk Radio, 4 to 6 p.m. He'll be with us through the next hour, so don't go anywhere. Greenovative. Go to HagmanReport.com. Click on the link to Greenovative. But what Greenovative is, it's a small company in Florida. They created something called the GMAG Power Cell. It produces electricity by adding salt water to this unit that recharges rechargeable batteries. It's the coolest thing you'll ever see in your life. It's really neat. Really a, a super device. All right? You need just two teaspoons of ordinary table salt, a little water, but a bang, you're charging your rechargeable batteries. Super GMAG chargeable is affordable. It's lightweight, weighs about eight ounces. It's durable. It's EMP proof, and it's environmentally friendly. Yeah, that it is. It'll provide safe and convenient power for recharging uh, six AA batteries off the grid when other power sources aren't available anywhere, anytime, in any weather, day or night. Go to greenovative.com. That's greenovative.com. Perhaps you're a business out there, a small business. Would you like to extend the reach of your business? I bet you would. Would you like to to have the same opportunities as companies such as Omaha Steaks and Pro Flowers and Casper Mattress and some of the bigger companies out there? Would you like to have that same power? Advertise on our program. Go to HagmanandHagman.com or send an email to opportunities at HagmanandHagman.com. If you go to HagmanReport.com and HagmanandHagman.com, there's a link where you can, you can, you can, it's a big red box. You'll see it. You'll see it. Click on that link and go ahead and read the benefits that we have created for you. I think it's, I think it's a fabulous opportunity.
For investors, timberland has become the symbol of safety. Global tropical timber demand continues to surge as the world's population increases. The need for managed, sustainable timber production forests has never been greater. When stock markets crash, trees keep growing. Direct ownership of fully managed tropical timberland acreage is now available to accredited investors. Prime, valuable hardwood groves close to the beautiful Costa Rican border generate and maintain superior long-term wealth. Consider visiting our forest plantations. Qualified accredited investors should go to PreciousTimberProfits.com or dial 855-888-6288 for more information. Call 855-888-6288 or visit PreciousTimberProfits.com. This announcement does not constitute either an offer to sell securities or a solicitation of an offer to purchase. Offering made by prospectus only. 855-888-6288, PreciousTimberProfits.com. edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Our guest this evening is Paul McGuire. PaulMcGuire.us is the website. His radio show, The Paul McGuire Report, you can hear live. Uh, if you go to his website, there's a number of different listening options. Um, Blog Talk Radio, also 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time. And uh, just want to give a quick mention. Folks, go to pastor or go to PaulBegleyProphecy.com and if you're going to, if you can be in the Chicago area, uh, May 5th and 6th, the Awaken to the Shaken conference. You can register now. It is free to attend the conference. You just have to get yourself there and find a place to stay. But again, that's paulbegleyprophecy.com, Awaken to the Shaken conference. It is free to attend the event. You just have to pay for, um, and so, and since we're going to be there. Yeah, we're going to be there. Rest money, there. money be back there. guarantee, right? <laughs> Absolutely. You get what uh, you pay for. Before the break, we were talking with uh, with Paul. We were talking about the um, the not only the political, uh, the civil political unrest, but also the uh, unrest that is inside D.C. Um, that the turmoil from the Obama to the Trump administration. We were talking about the coordinated effort here, and my question was: um, Do you think that this is something the Obama administration and the Democrats and you know the uh, Republicans who are involved in this uh, global satanic elite scheme have been working on for for years in the making, and they've just been able to curb this populist revolution and try to throw it off its tracks? Or do you think they have something else planned? Uh, But obviously the primary question is, how long do you think that they've been planning um, this upheaval against the administration that they were in charge of and that they backed and stopped any upheaval at every turn during the Obama administration? Well, the, the the people that are behind, uh, let's call it a movement, let's call it a revolutionary movement, um, they are long, long-term planners. They're very persistent. They don't give up, and they never uh, accept defeat. I, I wish that was true of Christians and Christian leaders. And it is true among some Christians and Christian leaders, but as a group, this this movement uh, is very long term. So in, in reality, this entire um, game plan of radical transformation uh, really began to 
be networked out because I was exposed to it when I was a radical and a demonstrator. Uh, and then when I was attending the University of Missouri, uh, I found myself in contact with a radical change agent who was organizing demonstrations at the University of Missouri. So it was act, it was active back then in the uh, late 70s. In, in the 70s, in the early 70s, this network uh, began to be put in place through people like Willis Harmon, uh, who was uh, using LSD. He was a key part of the Stanford Research Institute. And uh, he planned out this game plan to radically transform America and to make it into like a global tribal village. Um, so the network has been around for a long time. And, and most Americans don't understand that this, but like through the public school systems, uh, through communities, through all kinds of things, there is this vast underground network of people, you know, they, they, they call themselves by different names. Well, let's call them progressives or Marxists, but it is a very large network, and they have planned to implement these procedures. Now, I don't think... Uh, Trump was probably uh, unexpected for them, but they had already set up the network long before Trump announced his presidency. They they were prepared to to make their network operational, uh, and it had nothing to do with Trump. Trump just focused their operation and probably gave them the the pass to accelerate it. So they were prepared to keep this operation going, whether Hillary was president or this Republican one, or that Republican one. It's a, it's a long-term network, and all these people have been in place. When you look at Occupy Wall Street and and move and MoveOn.org and the funding uh, behind that, and the organizational structure and the psychological operations people that were pulled in, very very sophisticated people in psyops and uh, organization and the psychology of group dynamics. These people are experts in gathering together large groups of people across the country, and they know how to manipulate the psychology of group dynamics. And this was put, I mean, you saw this begin to take off um, with Occupy Wall Street and MoveOn.org. So uh, I recognize that Obama is supposedly, I don't know if it's accurate, working with 30,000 or recruiting 30,000 community activists. But the community activists have been here organizing since the time of Saul Alinsky, and both uh, Hillary Clinton and Obama were trained as community activists, and Obama worked as a community activist. Yeah, I, uh, Paul, I can I can verify based on our... Um, we, we have... Uh, we for, we have we reformatted the Northeast Intelligence Network. We've got investigators now who are out in infiltrating um, some of these progressive uh, air, uh, networks. And I can tell you this: Obama, through the uh, evolution of Acorn as a community activist, of course, now he's got organizing for action. That's his that's his committee, and. Uh, OFA has 32,525 graduates, and I use that in, with air quotes, that, that are the, the um, initial phase of the operatives in 250 chapters across the United States. Now, having said that, there are constant, 
it's, these numbers are raise, uh, rising constantly. So I would say, but by spring, you're going to be looking at probably 50,000, 60,000 people, uh, under his control. Or yeah, his I agree with you. And I would like to, to, um, uh, communicate as effectively as I can to your viewers and listeners what the game plan here is. We are looking at right now a, an attempt at a coup, an attempt at a regime change here in the United States of America. We're looking at an operation which is planning to use uh, mechanisms that are not necessarily legal. Uh, they intend to overturn or manipulate the Constitution and the Bill of Rights, and they are totally committed to using psychological operations, uh, um, large group dynamics and organizational structures that are already put in place, and one of their most powerful weapons is this Orwellian fascist mainstream media that is constantly whipping people into an emotional state of hysteria and violence. You look at, you know, the amount of riots and how they erupt, and you see the interplay between the riots, like in Ferguson or whatever, and the way the media covers it. And most of the mainstream media is using its television cameras and its news commentators to to whip uh, targeted groups of people in the U.S. into a violent emotional frenzy so that they will storm the gates, so to speak. And they can use that... Uh, explosive power of street demonstrations and anger on the cameras as a as a weapon in psyops coupled with legal action uh, a call for impeachment to the president of the United States uh, so that they can initiate their regime change so we have to understand that they don't play games they don't you know come on board for like a season or for one president and decide to be activists and committed and then go back to sleep for the next eight years. Conservatives, and more than any other group, evangelical Christians, uh, falsely believe that they can be activists for a time. They see a, a victory. So for them, a victory would be the election of Donald Trump. But most of them would like to go back to sleep uh, and especially Christians, they like to really, they, they don't just go back to sleep, they hibernate because, uh, in their theology, they believe that, uh, they believe in a doctrine called hibernation, uh, which means they can, uh, fall asleep under the ground for 12 years and believe that they're doing the Lord's will. Of course, I'm being sarcastic, but, but that's uh, a metaphor for what they believe. These people are dedicated, they're committed, they show up, and they don't back down. So, in this conflict, which is nothing less than a struggle for the future of America, that's what we're, we are facing right now, an all-out struggle for the future of America. We have two destinies plainly before us. I explain this in my books. It's important that people grasp this. We have two destinies before us. One is these demonstrations, these psychological operations, this uh, uh, fake news type techniques, the mainstream media, 
the deliberate tearing down of alternative or conservative media or the uh, uh, destroying of advertising dollars or the discrediting of uh, uh, alternative media and the uh, accusation of fake news media, the demonstrations, all of these things are like columns of troops. We're not do- dealing with a fourth column or a fifth column. we got like 16 columns going against us at once. Their goal is to do what Walter Cronkite and Rather and all those people began to lay out the groundwork for in, in the 60s. Their job is to bring it home. And they want to do what the globalist elite that are controlling them want them to do. They want to uh, continue to lower the economy of the U.S., the, the earnings of the middle class and working class, so that the, the goal of the globalist elite is finally achieved and America is weakened to the point, and by weakening I, I mean they also have to destroy the U.S. Constitution and the U.S. Bill of Rights, uh, that's essential also, and they also use trade treaties as a strategy, their end game, the path ends at when they destroy the sovereignty of the United States of America as an independent sovereign nation, and then they force America to be part of a regional and then global government, either headed up by the United Nations or some other globalist institution, and then they want to bring in and slam dunk their one-world economic system, their one-world government, and one-world religion. This, this is this is the, this is their target, man. This is they're obsessed with this, and they're going to do it very quickly um, because there's minimal resistance. Now, the same thing is happening in Europe. The globalist elite are in control. You have these incompetent politicians like Merkel. If the German people were not in the grips of a trans state and scientific mind control, uh, a significant percentage are starting to wake up, and they recognize that Merkel is allowing these uh, Islamic militants to come into the nation and cause violence, rape their women, and commit terrorist acts. Yet Merkel keeps letting them in. She keeps letting them in. Why? Because the people that keep her in power... The people that spend billions of dollars to keep Merkel in power demand that she uh, destroys an independent sovereign Germany by flooding it with the destabilizing forces of militant Islamic extremists. The same thing in France, the same thing in Sweden, the same thing in Great Britain. There's this flooding. They've opened the gates up uh, to people that hate them, you see rapes occurring all over Europe from militant Islamics, acts of violence and terrorism, and you have to ask yourself, what idiot would allow this to happen? Well, the idiot that it's allowing it to happen are all these stooge politicians, these prime ministers and heads of state of various European nations are deliberately allowing them in because the game plan is the same game plan that is here in the United States. They know, the globalist elite planners are very intelligent people, and they know by forcing this destabilizing uh, group of people into these European nations, they are shattering and they are breaking apart 
the consensus of values, the consensus of a common religion, the consensus of a common European identity that used to be like, you know, uh, Norwegians were Norwegians and Germans were Germans and French were French and British were British for the most part. But when you, when you force uh, countless millions of people that have, are completely antagonistic to European values, what you're doing is you're taking a hammer and smashing a mirror. You're fragmenting and disintegrating and dividing these sovereign nation states for the end game of creating chaos so you can bring in your own order, new world order, and tyranny and force the independent European nations to be part of a global government. The same thing's happening in the United States. This has nothing to do with humanitarianism, love, or compassion. All, all, those are all lies. And you see the mainstream media, they either know their lies or they're, they're so brainwashed they're, they're participating in the lie. The bringing in of militant Islamic extremists has nothing to do with compassion, love, or caring. It has totally to do with destroying the existing social, religious identity structure of America so that you can break it apart, and then when you have everybody divided and ready to kill each other in America in open revolution and violence in the streets, then you can declare martial law and the people... Even the, the 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 people that voted for Trump, they're gonna they're gonna be on their uh, hands and knees begging for a totalitarian government to manage the chaos, and that's the end game. That's the victory from the globalist elite. Yeah, exactly. And you know we have to, and as you said, we have to be aware of the enemies that have already infiltrated the ranks of our government and of course we see as you pointed out you see this with Merkel you see this in other nations especially within the European Union or whatever's left of it and you see this manipulation this destruction of the national sovereignty and I believe uh, that of course that is our destiny or intended destiny I shouldn't say destiny but intended destiny uh, by the global elite rulers who want to destroy our national sovereignty and you're right. The immigration, the illegal immigration, the people in our homes, and I use that for our nation, who are trespassing illegally in our, in our, in our nation, um, are here. And, and even the, some of the legal immig- immigrants coming over, it's no longer about assimilation. It's no longer about opportunity. It's about change, changing the fabric, the moral, and cultural fabric of our country. And, and you can see, and as you pointed out, rightly so, you can see what's going on in Sweden. And you know, it's amazing to me, uh, Paul, um, Donald Trump was taken to the woodshed, proverbially speaking, uh, you know, for his comments about Sweden. And, and then the violence happened, um, the riots, that, that spate of, uh, violence that for our, our period. And instead of the news media doing a mea culpa, what they said was, well, Donald, President Donald Trump provoked that violence. It's, it's incredible to watch this and to see, you know what's even worse though, is to see people fall for this. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, to, to look at some of the comments on some of these internet forums, the people are just blind to me. They, you know the the saying that progressive uh, or liberalism or being a progressive is a mental disorder. I really believe that. 
because in order to really comp or in order to really believe or adhere to the belief that this is all for the good, um, that that there's you know nothing to see here, move along. You've got to be either willfully ignorant or you know deranged, programmed. Um, well, I I completely agree with you, <clears throat> and where this is all coming from. And of course, these words uh, sound conspiratorial, but it doesn't matter whether they sound conspiratorial. The, the real question is not whether or not the words sound conspiratorial. The, the the real question is whether or not the words are true or false, or whether or not the words are accurate. And it is an accurate statement to say, and it is a truthful statement to say, that the American population, heavily since the 1950s, has been uh, subjected to scientific mind control, in, indoctrination, persuasion, social engineering, that has dumbed down the population in their ability to think critically, uh, to look at the big picture and make an analysis. Uh, the knowledge of history and how history affects today is basically non-existent in the average American. And once you have the population dumbed down neurologically, and, and, and I'll just say it in two sentences, if people want to know more information about how that works, they can read Mass Awakening or one of my other books, but just on a neurological basis, when you put a kid in a school uh, all the way up to a university level and you deprive the development of the right brain or the right hemisphere of the brain, now the development of the right brain uh, is created by things like uh, practicing a musical instrument, by by uh, creativity, theater, uh, asking out-of-the-box questions. Uh, the development of the right brain does not come from teaching to the test, programmed information, and simply repeating what the teacher has taught you. Um, a lot of us, when we were kids, we, we still had the opportunity to participate in school plays and See, a lot of people are under this misunderstanding that creativity in school is just an unnecessary luxury. All we need to do really is concentrate on math and science. And that is uh, uh, an, an idea based on total ignorance. Creativity is essential for the child in the development of the child's brain because creativity produces billions of neurological pathways uh, which expands the right brain's ability to think and analyze. And the right brain is how you look at the big picture, how you develop high-level perception, and how you, um, you're, you're not compliant. You see, you're not an order taker. You're not a victim when your right brain has been developed. When you suppress the right brain by, by, by getting rid of all those programs, and, and forcing kids to uh, undergo curriculum, which Common Core embodies the curriculum of scientific dumbing down. Common Core was developed by Julian Huxley, <clears throat> the brother of Aldous Huxley, and Common Core uh, was Julian Huxley, who, who was an expert in scientific mind control. He was the first head of UNESCO, which is the United Nations 
agency that deals with things like a standardized global educational system. So Julian Huxley developed UNESCO for the United Nations, and he put together, this is back in the 50s, Julian Huxley created Common Core uh, for the United Nations in the 1950s. And the purpose of Common Core was to have a globalized uh, common education. But when you go deeper into it, and when you read Huxley's own writings himself, he comes right out and says verbatim, I quote him in Mass Awakening, he talks about openly about the goal of Common Core, the goal of uh, uh, United Nations education and the public schools is to scientifically dumb the students down. And John Dewey, who in 1917 uh, learned uh, about education from the communist revolution and became the father of modern public education, said, quote, the purpose of education, the purpose of public education is not to educate, it is to indoctrinate. So Common Core is, is simply a stealth mechanism where you con uneducated parents uh, who aren't willing to pay the price, who, uneducated people who are not willing to pay the price to self-educate themselves to the truth. Common Core is a Trojan horse where parents think their kids are going to get superior education because they can measure uh, the success theoretically based on test scores. So the entire emphasis in the public school classroom now is what is called teaching to the test, which means you're not teaching the students to really learn or think. You're teaching them to regurgitate back what you have taught them, like robots or androids, and if they memorize what you've taught them, then they'll get a high test score. Now, getting a high test score, this is so important for parents out there. Getting a high test score, mom and dad and grandpa and grandma, getting a high test score does not necessarily mean that your child is uh, has learned anything. It doesn't mean your child is intelligent. And it doesn't mean your child is better prepared for the future. Getting, that's, you're, you're getting brainwashed. If you think a high test score is synonymous with being prepared for life and being smarter and educated and intelligent. Getting a high test score simply means, in simplest terms, your kid has been programmed to be a stupid parrot or a robot that can, that can repeat back by memory word for word or math formula by math formula what the teacher uh, gave force fed into your child in other words your child can turn their brain off simply memorize what they're told to memorize then they will have a high test score that's called teaching to the test but it's not a measurable uh, thing concerning intelligence and what you said about the education system being a system of indoctrination uh, quoting Huxley and others, is exactly right. And look what it's turned into, uh, what you just described with Common Core. Um, you know, there is a, a place in education for memorization, usually when you're dealing with the subjects like history or, you know, the, the foundations of other...
Visit HagmanReport.com for the news and articles that matter most. Stay tuned. We will be right back. There shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time. No, nor ever shall be. Folks, I'm going to direct your attention to masterpreps.com, masterpreps.com. Wow. Uh, masterpreps.com, uh, the sponsor of our show, masterpreps.com. That's masterpreps.com. Take a visit there. High-quality items, made-in-America items. I mean, anything, everything you possibly want from uh, cooking uh, utensils, uh, cooking frying pans. To, I mean, it is, it'll blow you away. Absolutely, Eric's. It's insane. I mean, wow. Look at the products. Folks, visit masterpreps.com. Again, welcome to the Hagman and Hagman Report family. Masterpreps.com. I mean, wow, it's insane. Masterpreps.com. Are you ready for what comes next? From all of us at Training Post in the Woods. We pray you have a healthy, safe, and prosperous 2017. And we would like to thank all of you for welcoming us to the Hagman and Hagman family. You're all a very wonderful and special group of people. Because we believe it is so important for you to work and acquire good health this year, we're going to do something that we've never done before as a thank you to you for your support. We're going to make something available that we believe everyone needs. During the month of January, anyone who invests in their health by purchasing either our American Heritage Remedies Kit, our Survivalist Natural Remedies Kit, or $200 in individual remedies of your choice, we're going to give to you our crisis remedy just in case for free. Your health must be a part of your preparation plan. We're here to help you with that journey. May God bless y'all, and may God bless America. Happy Happy New Year. Year! This is Joe Charles, the guy whose voice is heard announcing for the Hagman and Hagman Report right here on YouTube and across the Global Star Radio Network. There have been many people wondering whose music is being played during those breaks. Well, you guessed it. And we're very pleased to announce that all that music and 11 brand new songs from the CD New Jerusalem is set for release on April 10th for download on iTunes. That means you can help support my ministry and be blessed by this awesome, inspiring recording. I have been fortunate to work with some phenomenal musicians from around the world that helped us put this recording together in the studio. Simply go to joecharlesmusic.com and click on the iTunes link. Or, if you'd rather have a CD, we'll send one right out to you. Just leave me your email and we'll get right back to you. And thanks to Doug and Joe Hagman for making this all possible. God bless. Edition of the Hagman and the Hagman Report. Paul McGuire is our guest. PaulMcGuire.us is his website. Visit PaulMcGuire.us. Man, what a, I'll tell you, what an incredible program tonight. Um, during the break, we were talking about okay, who said? Uh, just to be clear, you know, who said uh, the purpose of public schools is not to educate but to indoctrinate? And but one of the one of the architects of the uh, public school system. But how true is that, man? I'll tell you, it's absolutely true. Mass Awakening, one of the greatest books, I believe, for uh, for people to read and to really understand what's going on, on along with the Prophecy of the Future of America and the Prophecy of the Future of America 2016-2017. Fantastic books. 
all of them from Paul McGuire, available at paulmcguire.us, along with his DVD series. Check that out. Portion of tonight's broadcast brought to you by HealthMasters, healthmasters.com. People, people often say, well, do you really take that many vitamins? Do you really take the nutritional supplements? Hang on, for those people uh, watching, you can see right over here. Yeah, we absolutely do. Yeah, I got yeah. my book bag right now. Yeah, I mean, as, uh, if you do nothing else, else folks, healthmasters.com, uh, use their ultimate multiple. If if that's the only vitamin, if, if you only have a certain amount of money to, to spend on, on nutritional supplements, this is it, the ultimate multiple from healthmasters, healthmasters.com. But I would recommend the cortisol buster. It gives you focus, and it uh, does give you... Uh, uh, it's not, not just focus, but it also relaxes, de-stresses you, I suppose. And it doesn't necessarily help. Well, so some people say it helps them sleep. I don't find that. I just find it, it's, it sedates. It's, it kind of has a sedating effect. So it does, to that extent, help you, I suppose, help, help a person sleep. Cortisol buster. And of course, there are vitamins B and C. And, uh, Joe, uh, I've got two, two, uh, Formulations, two plans that Health Masters named after me. One to uh, combat high blood sugar and the other for, uh, what was it, uh, immune, uh, to boost your immune system. I'm not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but nonetheless, healthmasters.com. Again, healthmasters.com. Doug5 is the coupon code. That's Doug5. Let's bring Paul back. Paul, we got, uh, one segment left. Um, we left off in the last hour talking about the education system. Um, where do you want to go from here? Because there's a lot of, of areas we could we could hit. Um, you know, the one of the thing that things that really bothers me that I don't know how these uh, how the media and a lot of these talking heads are getting away with is their uh, insanity. But more importantly, is the the hypocrisy um, with you know what you know they decide what laws they want to follow. If I just remember under Obama, anybody who questioned any of the Obama executive orders or policies was labeled a racist, was labeled a truther, um, you know, a homophobe. But now it seems to be the status quo in the media to challenge what they don't like. And it seems like even things that they've agreed with during the Obama administration that Trump is continuing to do or is slightly changing even to make them better, they're coming out and saying they're completely against it. Will they be able to keep up this... um this hypocrisy will will the american people do you think i mean we have seen a, a mass political awakening in this country specifically during the last election cycle but as you referenced earlier in the show you know a lot of people would go back to sleep after they feel that they've got what they wanted um do you think the media will be able to keep up with this this hypocrisy and stay relevant uh, or do you think they're going to continue to decline and i just saw a headline here on on drudge that said rachel maddow's ratings are the highest since 2008 which um I mean, what would it go from 10 to 20? Uh, yeah, I was just going to say, you know, the 12 to 24 maybe. Uh, just the disconnect. The intellectual disconnect is just so wide now. Uh, it seems like people are either entering into reality or they've gone completely off the rails. And I just don't see how this can continue and we can remain a, a stable civil society in that environment. There you go. Which, which is well, those, those are all question, uh, very good questions. And, and to, to Rachel Maydow's ratings, I, I would be very uh, suspicious of ratings that says that she has a, a, a growth in her, her, her audience. Because as we all know, ratings and rankings are, are manipulated. I want to leave on a positive note, not just because I want to be positive, but uh, a positive note based in objective reality and fact. But before I do that, I just want to read uh, a quote here 
regarding uh, scientific mind control and uh, the brainwashing of students. Because no matter how many times you tell that to people, they, um, you know, they look at you like you're you're crazy. You know, like you're you're uh, just out of it. So from mass awakening. I have a number of quotes, and I'm just going to read two brief ones, because people really need to understand that when we're talking about scientific mind control of the masses or an education, this is not some, you know, conspiracy theory. By the way, the, the word conspiracy theory is a mind control word, just like homophobic and the rest of that stuff. Whenever uh, the mainstream media or uh, uh, the establishment elite wants to keep people from thinking and speaking about cer certain areas and terms, they simply categorize it as um, a conspiracy theory, and non-thinking, frightened people will be afraid because they're terrified that their self-esteem and their approval ratings among their friends might decrease, so they will, they will self-police their behavior and they will self-conform their behavior to fit into the politically correct grid so they can be accepted. I think that's a very important thing to emphasize. Mm -hmm. People who are social engineers understand that when you create a list of words and terms and expressions and thinking modalities, uh, such as, well, you're a conspiracy theorist, Oh, you really believe in global warming, or you don't believe in global warming, or, or whatever thing is they're trying to promote as the official standard of being intelligent, of being rational. In other words, what they're doing is they're creating a subconscious image in the minds of millions of Americans that if you don't like Donald Trump, if you... Um, uh, are tolerant in all these areas, diverse. If you want, if you want a global government, if you want sustainable development or whatever it is, then subconsciously they've created the fake identity that you're a sharp person, you're with it, and everybody will respect you. Now, if you dare to deviate from their, uh, uh, socially engineered norm and say at a party, well, you know, I think, uh, uh, such and such, and people will self-police themselves, They're, they will self-censor themselves, so they won't be accused of being uh, a conspiracy theory uh, theorist, and, and that way they get people to control themselves out of fear. Now, the reason this is successful is the average person has no real self-worth. The, the average person in America is hollow and empty inside. That's why they have to buy the most expensive running shoes or jacket or whatever. They need that label to signal to all their friends, hey, I'm cool, I'm with it. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. it, it's very obvious, but it's scientific mind control. It's the controlling of the masses and conditioning. So you said the social engineers are the ones who, um, you know, devise what is... Uh, you know, sophisticated or yeah. uh, perceived to be intelligent, but the people who are carrying this out is basically all vanity um, in their part, trying to remain relevant. Yes, yes. So, crazy. so you take a guy like I talk about this in Mass Awakening, Edward Bernays. He was the father of modern advertising. Mm -hmm. His theories were so powerful that he produced propaganda that worked. 
his theories were, were uh, used by Adolf Hitler because they worked. And when he was in the advertising industry, Edward Bernays was the man way, way back who convinced American women that it was sexy and you're an attractive woman and a sexy woman if you smoke a cigarette. He branded that into the consciousness of American women and it lasted for decades. So let me just read you something here uh, that you might find interesting. And this is written by Edward Bernays in 1928. And this is what he said. He was, he was, uh, uh, talking about, uh, uh, propaganda. And that was the name of his book, Propaganda. And Bernays writes, the conscious and intelligent manipulation of the organized habits and opinions of the masses is an important element in a democratic society. Those who manipulate this unseen mechanism of society constitute an invisible government, which is the true ruling power of our country. I mean, in that paragraph right there, unless you have ADD and you can get treated for it, or unless you're under scientific mind control, Edward Bernays just explained to you how the world works. And, you know, circling right back to the beginning, Paul, this goes exactly to what Mika Brzezinski said, what Joe was talking about, her her, her stating that we tell you how to think or what to think, we control what you, or we control what you think, and there it is with Edward Bernays out of Paul's book, Mass Awakening, right here, folks, one of the best books. I, I truly believe this is uh, uh, one of his finest works, or Paul's finest works, but um, you're, you're exactly right. So I, I don't mean to, to belabor the point, so go ahead and continue, because that's so important. Uh, that All right, invisible also government. from Mass Awakening, I have a quote. I have lots of quotes, but I have a quote from um, uh, Alice Huxley's brother, Julian Huxley, the founder of UNESCO, the, edu- the global educational arm of the United Nations. So f- this is to all the Christians out there who support pastors who think the United Nations is great and they want to partner with them. And, and you know, uh, that's really tragedy. It's the tragedy because you need to educate yourself because if you really knew what the United Nations was really all about, you would be ashamed to partner with a pastor that is supporting uh, the United Nations. So this is what Julian Huxley uh, of the United Nations wrote regarding global education in the United States and all around the world. He said, um, I'll just read the quote. He says, the kindergarten or infant school has a significant part to play in the child's education. Not only can it correct many of the eras of home training, but it can also prepare the child for membership at about the age of seven in a group of his own age and habits, the first of many social identifications that he must achieve on his way to membership in the world society. That simply means is that Huxley was saying, we're going to program your kid beginning in kindergarten or infant school. We're going to sever the educational, emotional bond between you and your child. And we, through our various governmental agencies and associations, are going to embed in your child 
this desire to be a citizen of the new world order or, or to be part of a citizen of a global government. That's the purpose of all this. They're programming for global government. Now, if people call themselves Christians and read the Bible, they would have a huge problem with this because global government is warned about by God in the account of Babylon and Genesis. Global government is also warned about by God in Revelation 17 and 18 when uh, Mystery Babylon rises. So if we're to look at where all of this is going, we, in today's program we have analyzed um, the situation from the, the dimension of physical perception, words like fake news, uh, organizational structures, uh, mental paradigm, social engineering structures, but we could also analyze this on a multi-dimensional level, which transcends just the physical sensory uh, reality perception. And on the multi-dimensional level, the stream of this thought, the movement towards programmed globalism, the, the programming of individuals not to even believe in their individuality, but be part of the collective or the hive mind or the world brain, is part of what is being taught to the millennials. But in a fourth dimension, which is the spiritual world, all of this ends up in the physical uh, reappearance of a global governmental structure and a global economic structure and a global religious structure which is called Mystery Babylon, in which the Antichrist is head of it and the false prophet. So from a theological level or a practical level, this is where it converges. Now, to all these uh, people in the mainstream media, one of the reasons they're so ignorant, and they really are ignorant, if you talk to them, they, they, they blab a good game, you know. They're, they're verbally agile. Some of them know history, whatever. Most don't. I've talked to a lot of these people privately. Some are intelligent, and they really do know what's going on, but they know they better keep their mouth shut or they will be fired. But the vast majority of them are not really very educated people. On top of that, they have a bias or a blind spot. Because they do not believe in God or the history of mankind, which is... Uh, very much uh, a narrative of God's interaction with mankind. They have a bias or blind spot to that. So they can't really see the big picture of where reality is going. And they have become either willingly through a conscious choice or on a subconscious choice, they have become come the agents of darkness, if you will, and they will be held accountable for it because they're using all of their talents, gifts, and abilities to not only lie, to not only persuade, but to bring in the most horrific, evil, cruel, barbaric, totalitarian government that the world has ever seen. This is what the mainstream media is doing. Whether they know it or not, this is the end result of everything they're communicating. So, as a moral person, or to any moral person, or anybody who hopefully 
desires to be moral and to do right or to simply love thy neighbor as thyself. I think we could all agree that loving thy neighbor as thyself is extremely important, whether you're an atheist or a Christian. Loving thy neighbor as thyself. If you love your neighbor as yourself, how could you possibly push your neighbor into a truck that is taking your neighbor and their children and husbands and wives on a truck which is taking them to a concentration camp under a totalitarian regime where they're told they're going to get a shower, but they're going to be gassed to death in the Holocaust to the tune of 8 million people. The German people, the German press, were all had middle-class values. They all acted polite. They were all verbally agile, but they couldn't bring themselves to think outside of the box and they couldn't bring themselves to take moral ownership for the fact that they were, were not only not loving thy neighbor, they were putting their neighbors in concentration camps, mass, mass deaths, torturous experiments, and slaughtering them. The same thing happened in communist China. Hundreds of millions of people were slaughtered in the name of a worker's paradise. And if you, if you in, in communist Russia dared to say that this governmental plan of totalitarianism is evil, the, the government-owned press of communist Russia or China would say, you are guilty of fake news. And because you're guilty of fake news, you are charged with conspiracy to commit treason, and we're going to lock you in a cell or a mental hospital and torture you. Now, those are not far-fetched metaphors. That's exactly where we are right now. And if these people, through ignorance or willfulness, are allowed to continue pushing our society in that direction, that is the end game. How, however, I believe that we're at a very important moment, moment in time. The scales are not balanced. I believe that there's the very realistic, high probability. Notice I didn't say high possibility. I believe there's a, a very high probability that we can, through intelligent, law-abiding, peaceful activism, and always remembering that when we speak truth, there is actual power in the speaking of truth or the writing of truth. The power that we convey by simply speaking truth or writing truth or televising truth or doing radio truth, the power of truth is so enormous that even though we are vastly uh, overspent in terms of dollars, even though they're rigging uh, advertising to destroy it, even though they're using every uh, tactic of a totalitarian state that George Orwell talked about in 1984, the power of truth is so powerful that it breaks apart the, the battering rams and the fortresses of darkness which the uh, mainstream media is, is, is erecting in our society. We can't forget that it only takes a dedicated minority who are speaking truth to power. We can uh, activate and implement a massive paradigm shift. We can see in the near future a tipping point in the direction of freedom, 
of the constitutional liberties, of the embracing of God versus the rejecting of God. And we can see uh, the antidote to a totalitarian revolution. We can see a mass awakening on every level, social, theological, scientific, uh, with the alternative conservative media. We can effectuate a mass awakening that is so powerful, that possesses so much inertia, that it overwhelms the systems of darkness. And, and I'm, not, I'm not saying that to be, like, positive. I'm saying that because after 40 years of um, scientific, technological, uh, sociological, psychological analysis, I know that this is something that's doable. But it requires that every person listening take ownership in uh, effectively... Um, causing the inertia that flips the paradigm so that we come out victorious rather than destroyed. And that, I mean, what you just said makes a, a lot of sense, and I agree that we are heading in that right direction. My only uh, problem is that I don't believe that the devil and those forces of darkness will ever allow that to happen and would bring in, you know, the Antichrist beast system before it ever reaches the point of, you know, we'll just say a complete revival spiritually and uh, mentally and emotionally and physically uh, here in, in this country and in the world. And is there a, a obviously we got to continue to do that? That sounds fatalistic though to me. Well, I mean, it's not. It, it's not. I'm not saying it can't happen. I'm just saying I don't see how. Um, this isn't part of the bigger plan to bring in. Let, 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 because for the sake of time, forgive me. Let me just let me just respond to what you said. Because there's two things. On one hand, what you're right. On one hand, there is the sovereignty of God outlined in Scripture of of prophetic events that will happen, and there's nothing that anybody can do to change. The, the, the prophetic events from happening, like the Antichrist, the beast system, uh, the tribulation, so on and so forth. So I totally agree with you that. God's prophetic word is unchangeable. Now, the difference though is, is in the precision of analyzing the timetable. And I think the most honest thing we can all say is that none of us know exactly when this part of God's prophetic program is going to move forward aggressively, or how much time we have in terms of grace, or as we've said in your program before, a temporal reprieve. None of us know that, okay? But I agree with you. God's word is a prophetic word. Nobody can change it. So, what do we do then in, in, a, in an environment where, where none of us knows for sure exactly where we are on this prophetic timetable. We do what Jesus Christ said to do. As we're in this interim, we uh, obey our marching orders, and Jesus Christ said, occupy until I come, or occupy the land until I come. So we should be able to agree on this theological principle. We should be all about winning souls for Jesus Christ, making disciples of all nations, occupying the land until Jesus Christ returns. So we're, we're peaceful, law-abiding 
Christians or soldiers of the Lord in a spiritual, peaceful sense. And we occupy the land, and we drive out the forces of darkness, knowing that the prophetic uh, calibration is going to change at some moment, and that will be impossible because, let's say, that we're in the beast system. Do you see what I'm saying? But until we are really in the beast system, and we still have the opportunity because we're still talking, this opportunity may be gone next year. So as long as we have the opportunity, we occupy until he comes, and we do everything we can as the Lord commanded us to. We're faithful, but we trust and we hope and we plan that we can affect change. If God says... For example, America is just beyond redemption. Then God is God. That's His choice. You know. Then, then the tribulation hammers down. But in the meantime, since that hasn't happened yet, we occupy until He comes. I mean, I hope I'm communicating because it's really no, absolutely very well done. Yeah, we just got to keep continue to do what we're we're doing. We can't be uh, like a lot of the people and. and Think that um, we've won some big victory with Trump uh, getting in exactly. office and sit back. Exactly. Uh, if there's any time to put the foot on the gas pedal, it is now. Um, Paul, you've taken us to the to the end of of our interview. Wow. PaulMcGuire.us is the website. Uh, the Paul McGuire Report. Go to PaulMcGuire.us and find a number of different ways you can listen to the show: SoundCloud, Blog Talk Radio, iTunes. It's all there on his website. And um, hey, Mass Awakening too, yeah. right here, right here, Mass Awakening, and and you know what? All of Paul's books uh, are you ready? Uh, Standing down Goliath, uh, Prophecy of the Future of America, twenty sixteen to twenty seventeen, Babylon Code. That's just in the last few years, books. Yeah. He's got a lot more. Prolific. Paul, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Look forward to having you back on in the near future. And uh, Thank you, and pedal to the metal, brothers. Amen. Right on, bro. When we come back, Pastor David Langford will be our guest. Don't go anywhere. Just what kind of thriller predicts the future? In three days in the belly of the beast, Daniel Holdings wrote about the God Particle before CERN actually discovered the God Particle. In As the Darkness Falls, Daniel wrote about an Islamist terrorist confederacy that rose up out of Syria and declared a caliphate three years before ISIS was ever heard of. In his newest novel, Between the Veil, Daniel talks about a space between dimensions where supernatural beings can walk. He says that these novels are a warning from the Creator to His creation. Will war come to America? Will the world's economies collapse? Are we looking at increased earthquakes and volcanic activity? Will the United States fall into civil war? You can find all of Daniel's work at his website, DanielHoldings.com. That's DanielHoldings.com. All of these things and more are talked about in Daniel's books. To find out what's coming next, go to DanielHoldings.com. Worldwide demand is making coconuts one of the highest yielding cash crops available today. Coca-Cola, Pepsi, and many high net worth individuals have invested billions of dollars into coconuts for strong growth and solid long-term income. Yields could be as high as 18% or more per year. 
Capital appreciation and exceptional income for up to 60 long years would be an absolutely brilliant investment to pass on to future generations. Diversify wisely with direct ownership of fully managed coconuts on prime farmland close to the beautiful Costa Rican border. For more information, qualified accredited investors should go to ProfitsInCoconuts.com or phone 855-888-6288. That's 855-888-6288. This announcement does not constitute an offer to sell securities or a solicitation of an offer to purchase. Offer made by prospectus only. 855-888-6288 or visit ProfitsInCoconuts.com. ProfitsInCoconuts.com. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in this community and beyond. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. At HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. Hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. So happy. Thank you for uh, allowing us into your living rooms, your dining rooms, your diners, your places of employment, your cars, your workspace. We really appreciate that. What's Okay, thank you. Joe and I, don't mind us. We're just we're just talking over here. That's all right. Uh, we've got a great, uh, I'll tell you what, a great hour planned for you, Pastor David Langford from thevoiceofevangelism.com. He appears every week, uh, every Wednesday at this time, and, and he does provide us with a balance of, uh, well, you know, you look at the news. You look at, you look at what's going on all across America, and, of course, there's a scriptural, a scriptural, well, a biblical component to this. Of course, there is, and um, Pastor Langford is our scriptorian. I I look at him as America's pastor, as our pastor here at the Hagman and Hagman Report. And why not America's pastor? Before we bring on Pastor David Langford, two things I want to remind everyone: I'll be on Coast to Coast AM tonight, just briefly checking in during their news segment. You want to stay up that late on the East Coast? Uh, I'll be checking in there with them. Uh, Tom Danhauser, boy, he was—he sounded horrible, sick uh, when I talked to him earlier today. Um, that's that's one thing, and of course, uh, um, no, yeah, yeah. If you if you're around, just uh, join us. Also, Minuteman Rocket Stove, folks, don't lay off the the preps. Go to MinutemanStove.com. That's MinutemanStove.com. There you will find uh, just a wide array of fire starters, but they're they're Cadillac. Premier product. It, to me, it's a Cadillac of a rocket stove. You know, when things go south, you're going to need something to use to cook. Well, rocket stoves are the way to go. And not just any rocket stove. One from Minuteman Rocket Stove. That's MinutemanStove.com. This is, as far as I'm concerned, the best rocket stove on the market. 
It's small, lightweight, wood-burning, and every bit as powerful as a kitchen stove. And you know something with decent wood? It's smokeless and fully self-contained for clean storage and transport. Because they are so efficient, it cuts down on your wood-gathering chores, your processing, to a tenth of what it would be uh, if, if, if you just cooked over an open flame. And the outside, because it's insulated, the outside at max reaches like 200 degrees, so you can carry it around and not worry about burning yourself. Um Look, it's easy. This rocket stove is easy to fuel, to feed with wood. Uh, to, it's easy to use. This is the answer. Go to MinutemanStove.com. That's MinutemanStove.com. Joe. Pastor David Langford from The Voice of Evangelism is our is our guest, and is our guest each and every Wednesday here in Hour 3. And, Pastor, we didn't have a chance to talk before the show, um, and we did not give a chance to, to explain to listeners what we were doing, we set up an, an email account for Pastor Langford uh, for questions that people want to ask. And the last Wednesday of every month, we're going to, uh, I mean, people can email the questions throughout the week, and we ask that in the subject line, you use the words Hagman question, Hagman question, so he can uh, pick out the questions from the other emails that he has. And we'll give that email out. I don't, I don't think we're going to use it tonight, but um, the question and answer part of this, um, Pastor, would you like to open the phone lines for the, the second half or second segment of tonight? Uh, sure, we can do that. I uh, okay. I had one lady who did email us uh, through our own email wanting me to address fasting. She uh, knew we were going to have Q&A, and uh, she said, will you address fasting this Wednesday night on the Hagman and Hagman show. So if we want to talk about that a little bit, the first segment, we can do that. Absolutely. And folks, um, the email for Pastor Langford is pastordavidlangford at hagmanandhagman.com. That's pastordavidlangford at hagmanandhagman.com. And don't forget to put in there that uh, question, Hagman question. That way, in the subject line, yeah, or at least Hagman or question. That way, Pastor Langford knows uh, which you know uh, emails are the questions coming in from our listeners. And, and it is L A N K. It's L A N K F O R D. Pastor David Langford, L A N K F O R D, at Hagman and Hagman dot com. Uh, make sure it's spelled out correctly. And as you said, in the subject line, question or Hagman question, whatever it might be. Um, and be as brief and concise with your question as possible so Pastor can uh, answer it accordingly. But, Pastor, yeah, if you want to uh, start out by talking about fasting or wherever you want to go, let's go. Sure. Um, as I said, this lady was questioning, and there are often a lot of people ask about fasting because fasting is part of, uh, of being a Christian. I believe every Christian should periodically set a time aside for what I call consecration, dedicating yourself to the Lord. My wife and I, we set aside January. We have for the last eight or ten years uh, set that time aside in January. It's cold. You can't get outside. You can't do much. Good time to, to get your spiritual discipline and kind of get it behind you uh, for the rest of the, the year. And um, she asked me when I addressed that. And I'll just share a few scriptures about some of the men uh in the scriptures and ladies that fasted, uh, we know that Moses, uh, he's rehearsing in the book of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 9 and 19, 
excuse me, Deuteronomy 9 and 9, when I was going up into the mount to receive the tablets of stone, even the tables of the covenant which the Lord made with you, then I abode in the mount forty days and forty nights. I neither did eat bread nor drink water. And I believe, and most theologians believe, he did that back-to-back, because then when you go to Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 10, he gets the second set of Ten Commandments, and he says, And I stayed in the mount according to the first time, forty days and forty nights. And the Lord hearkened unto me at that time also, and the Lord would not destroy thee. So most theologians believe he went back-to-back actually eighty days neither ate nor drank. Now, that's impossible in his humanity. Uh, His renal system would shut down without at least drinking water. So that's why when he came off the mountain, they put a veil over his face because he was living off of the literal presence of God. And um, so, you know, nobody in their human stature could do that. Even Christ... And Matthew chapter 4 said he afterward hungered. It never says he afterward thirst. So we believe he drank water during his 40-day fast because he said he afterward hungered. It never mentioned that he had thirst. And then we see Elijah, First uh, Kings 19 and 8, and he arose and did eat and drink and went in the strength of that meat Forty days and forty nights unto Horeb, the Mount of God. So he ate his final meal. Then he went forty days and forty nights without eating himself. Uh, Esther, uh, Esther in Esther chapter four verse sixteen, uh, she said to Mordecai, her uncle, "Go gather together all the Jews that are present in Shushan, and fast ye for me." and neither eat nor drink three days, night or day. I also and my maidens will fast likewise, and so will I go into the king, which is not according to the law, and if I perish, I perish. So we see in the Old Testament it was uh, a part of their lives. Psalms 35, 13, David said, "I, I humbled my soul with fasting, and my prayer returned unto my bosom. Uh, I've often said fasting puts legs on your prayers if you really want to touch the heart of God and move God. Paul himself in 2 Corinthians eleven twenty-seven, he said, In weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often. So Paul often fasted. So it's always been a part of the people of God. Then Daniel, in Daniel chapter 10 uh, he says he neither ate the king's meat nor drank his wine, and that's known as the Daniel fast. Uh, most people believe he ate pulse, uh, some kind of a, a vegetable, and um, he anointed himself. That's another thing we ought to do. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said, When you fast, anoint your head that you do not appear unto fast. Now, while you're fasting, we, we don't acknowledge that. It's you know it's fine to acknowledge it after the fast. Uh, throughout the scriptures, we know how these men fasted because it's written in the Word of God. Daniel ten three. I ate no pleasant bread, neither came flesh nor wine in my mouth, neither did I anoint 
neither did I anoint myself at all. The three whole weeks were fulfilled. Now, he said he didn't anoint himself, but in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus tells us to anoint our heads with oil so that we do not appear unto men to fast. And the anointing of, of the forehead is merely uh, an indication of consecration. I am wholly setting myself apart for the Lord for his service during this time of prayer, during this time of fasting. Also, uh, with married couples, uh, the Scripture teaches that we abstain from sexual relationships uh, during during that time. Um, how do we know that? First Corinthians seven five, uh, Paul said, "Defraud ye not one another, except it be with consent, for a time that ye may give yourselves to fasting and prayer, and come together again, that Satan tempt you not for your incontinency or your loss of sexual control, your desires." And so you get consent from your spouse regarding your fast, because it is a time of consecration. You're holy dedicating yourself to the Lord. And uh, so Paul addresses that in 1 Corinthians 7 relative to a husband and his wife. So say the wife says she wants to fast seven days. Well, Paul said you get consent for that time that you may give yourself to fasting and prayer. And then after that time is completed, he said you come together again so that Satan cannot tempt you uh, for your incontinency, and that's not talking about a bladder problem. That's a that's a carnal, sexual, fleshly desire. And so, there are different types of fast. There's the complete fast. Is Esther? She neither ate nor drank. Um, that I've did that fast. That's, that's the hardest fast I've ever done in my life. Um, I've done the Daniel fast, uh, the 21 day fast on water and fruits and vegetables, and uh, that's really about as difficult as the fast there is because you think, well, I can handle that. Well, after a few days on fruits and vegetables, there's just no substance. You know, when Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, there's something fulfilling that satisfies when we eat bread or meat. And, of course, Daniel said, I ate no flesh nor drank any wine. Meat, bread, is really gives one strength and sustenance after a fast, and of course we know that it gives us strength in our daily walk because there's something sustaining and filling. It fills you up, whereas fruits and vegetables just won't do that. Um, and then like we we spoke about Moses, uh, you know, only by the help of God could any man, you know, go 40 days and 40 nights and then go right back to back again 40 more days and 40 nights and neither eat nor drink. He was living off the virtual presence of God. So fasting is for the purpose of crucifying our flesh and getting our flesh in subjection. Uh, one of the greatest problems with Christians is a lack of discipline. I hear it all the time. Well, I read my Bible and I pray. You never hear preachers admonishing people to fast. Why is fasting difficult? It's because Adam and Eve broke the commandment of God through eating. They, they disobeyed God in a tree that they were never to eat of, and they did. And so fasting brings the heart, the soul, the mind, and the body in absolute subjection to Christ. Uh, Jesus fasted 40 days and 40 nights. Satan came against him. And by the way, every temptation 
was through his flesh, lust of the eyes, uh, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. So all of those were working in his physical uh, flesh. It had nothing to do with his spirit. Satan never appeals to your spirit. He always makes his appeal to your carnal nature, to your carnal man, because we are incarcerated in these earthen vessels, these clay jars, and he knows how difficult it is. You've got to remember, Satan is not flesh and blood. He is a spirit. He is a fallen angel. So he doesn't deal with that, but he sees the power and effect that it has on humanity, so that's why he comes to work against our flesh. Galatians five sixteen seventeen. This I say, then walk in the Spirit, you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh, for the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, the Spirit against the flesh. These are contrary one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. Uh, it's amazing how Jesus talked about the last days, Matthew twenty four thirty seven. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. What were two distinctions there? Eating and drinking. Uh, Luke twenty one thirty four. Jesus said, Take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts become overcharged with surfeiting, that's overeating, and drunkenness, and the cares of this life, so that day come upon you unawares. So Satan knows how to uh, work through our flesh, because that's how his appeal is made. And again, he never appeals to your spirit. And the exact opposite is with Christ. He never appeals to your flesh. He appeals to your spirit. And so the warfare is flesh and spirit. And we, we fast and we pray to get our bodies in subjection. First uh, Corinthians nine twenty seven, Paul said, But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection. Lest that by any means what I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. The word castaway there in the Greek is reprobate. People say you can't lose your salvation. Well, Paul said, I want to keep my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means what I have preached to others, I myself become a reprobate. Well, that kind of makes it clear to me, First, I mean, Romans 1, 28, even if they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind. Fasting makes one very sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Not only does it make one sensitive to the Holy Spirit, but it makes one sensitive to demonic spirits. Because you're crucifying your flesh, so your spiritual man becomes more keen. He becomes more uh, sensitive because the natural man is dying. When you quit eating, you're dying. You're, you're starving yourself to death, so you begin to physically die. Your strength wanes, your, your, your attitude wanes, you, you don't get angry like you used to. You don't get as mad as you used to because the strength is simply not there. But the, the strength of the Holy Spirit, the strength of the power of God, our spirit becomes exceedingly strong. And that's how we become more disciplined. And then in Matthew chapter 17, when the disciples could not cast the demon out of the man's son, they said, why could we not do this? He said, because of your unbelief. And then he went on to say in verse 21, This kind goeth not but by prayer 
and fasting. So fasting destroys unbelief. Fasting builds our faith. Why? Because our natural man is waning and being destroyed, and so our faith begins to increase, that we begin to believe God for greater and bigger things. And uh, all my life as a Christian, uh, since 1978, I have fasted, and God has always rewarded and honored me personally when I have fasted in some way, whether it's a revelation, whether it's an answered prayer, whether he touches someone I've been praying for. Uh, it is a New Testament channel of power that the church does not tap into because nobody wants to deny themselves of their fleshly wills and desires. But fasting is how we get that in subjection, get that under control. And so Jesus admonished the disciples, after I leave, then shall you fast. Because the Pharisees were critical so why, why don't your disciples fast now? You know, the Pharisees were arrogant, boasting about their fasting. He said they have no need to fast while the bridegroom is here, but once I'm gone, then they will need to fast. So that, that's why we fast. And again, there are all different types of fast. There's the Daniel fast, fruits and vegetables. Uh, some, some do just a juice fast, you know, uh, uh, like uh, 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 V8 juice, uh, grape juice, apple juice. Uh, be careful. If you do a, a juice fast, your stomach will stay tore up most of the time because of the acidity uh, in in your stomach. So that's as far as I'll go with that subject on that. So you got to be careful. Um, there's a total water fast that you just eat nothing. You just drink water. Uh, and, again, you have to have the water uh, for your renal system, your kidneys, to continue to... Uh, remove the toxic poison. Now, that's another thing that begins to happen. When you begin to fast, your body begins to spend fuel of toxic poisons that are in your body from all the GMO and all the stuff they put in foods. That's what your body now begins to use for fuel. So you get the thick saliva. You get the uh, bad taste in your mouth, the, the, the aggressive uh, foul odor in the mouth. Just like when jogging. When you jog, more blood is going through your lungs, and so you get the thick saliva because that blood, more blood's going through the lungs. You're breathing that through your respiratory system that comes out through the through the saliva glands, and you have this thick excretion, and all that is is poison. You know, you watch athletes when they get very sweaty, you'll see them spitting, and that's poison. Uh, so when we're fasting, uh, you need to be prepared. There will be types of withdrawal, caffeine withdrawal, sugar withdrawal. Then people start having headaches. And, uh, and let me say this, and I know we're not far from the break, but if you start a fast and you don't complete it or fulfill the number of days, don't get down on yourself. Don't beat yourself up. You say, I'm going to fast seven days. You went for it and you, 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 you went back to eating. Don't feel like you failed God. You didn't fail God. You may have failed yourself in not being able to complete what you set out to do, but you did not fail God, because fasting is totally something between a man and God, and God does not penalize you because you said, well, I'm going to fast seven days, and you didn't make it but three. There's no penalty. There's no punitive uh, measures there. 
it's just a personal endeavor that you wasn't able to fulfill. And the more you fast, the more you acclimate to fasting. You know, as I said, I have fasted all my life as a Christian, and I only basically eat one good meal a day. That's all I need to sustain. That's how I keep my weight down. Uh, anywhere between 2 and 5 o'clock, I eat a good, hearty, wholesome meal. And other than that, maybe some pineapple, apples, bananas, fruit. Um, but I've gotten used to that. And, uh, of course, I do drink my RC, Doug. That's my, that's my vice in life. <laughs> but, but other than yeah. that, that's it. <laughs> And, and, and folks, it's kind of an inside joke, but uh, not really. Uh, our RC cola, you know, is, is the uh, that's the Ray Charles cola of Pastor David Langford. Hey, what's funny is, is what's funny is when he goes places like conferences and whatnot, he he travels with the cola. That's right. Absolutely, what, I, I ship them to, to places. <laughs> if I can't carry them, I ship them out there. So when I get there, they're there. <laughs> But, you know, uh, and, and everyone's got to have that. That and seriously, what a great, uh, or you know, how how dare you? The my goodness, that's a, a luxury that you shouldn't have. But no, I mean, it's it's just great. It, it's a lot of fun, folks. Uh, Pastor David Langford is a lot of fun, really. He is, and he teaches so well, provides us with information. But he's also a, a lot of fun. He's he's a, he's a great guy. And uh, and what we're gonna do? We uh we have just a few minutes before the break. I want to make sure. Sure. Uh, we get this going now. We Pastor Langford has been kind enough to agree to take listener questions on the last Wednesday of every month. Yes. Again, we're going to do it through um, most of it through the email, Pastor David Langford at Hagman and Hagman dot com. Uh, make sure in the subject line you put Hagman question or one of those two words so he can differentiate the emails. But tonight and uh, possibly in, in the future, we're going to take phone calls also, and the number is eight four four seven six nine. Two nine four four. That's eight four four seven six nine two nine four four. After the break, we're gonna we'll, we'll take as many um, here's your chance calls uh, and questions for Pastor Langford as we can. So we're gonna we're gonna make sure we do that. And uh, one more time with that number eight four four seven six nine two nine four four. And uh, Pastor, I got to say, I was uh, I had a conversation, I, uh, some FaceTime with with your son today. We were trying to set up the email account and. I don't know what problems we were having, uh, but it was like this impossible task. But uh, long we story short, we we figured my dad figured out how to forward it to your email account. That way, we don't we didn't have to have a, a separate email account. Kind of uh, so I hope it doesn't. Thing. Hope you don't get you know just pummeled with questions constantly, um, or we can figure out how to how to refile it. So yeah, when we'll you do receive it inside your inbox, it will go to a, a specific file, um, if possible. But that's the story behind that. I know we haven't had a chance to talk before the show. Absolutely. So, so folks, go ahead and, and line up. We, we can take, and, and with your calls, just be as concise as, as you can. Uh, be respectful of others' time as well as pastors' time. And, again, Joe, let's give out the phone number one more time. 844-769-2944. Eight, eight, four, 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 four. Right. That's 844-769-2944. All right. And, um... We ask that the questions just uh, kind of be quick so we can get to as many as possible. And, and you know what? Um, we're about 15 seconds out of the break. I, I, a question came to me via email. I don't know whether this can be a yes or no question, Pastor, but uh, do Christians, do all Christians and all Jews worship the same God? Yes. Okay. That's 
See, yes or no answer. Yeah, uh, right. I, you know, I, I, we'll, we're at the break. We'll, we'll yeah. share that maybe later. All right, all right, folks. We're listening to the Hagman and Hagman Report with Pastor David Langford. His website, thevoiceofevangelism.com. That's thevoiceofevangelism.com. Your calls coming up uh, right here. Stay right where you're at. Give us three minutes. We'll be right back. Visit HagmanReport.com for the news and articles that matter most. Stay tuned. We will be right back. Shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time. No, nor ever shall be. Uh, folks, I'm going to direct your attention to MasterPreps.com. MasterPreps.com. Wow. Uh, MasterPreps.com, uh, the sponsor of our show, MasterPreps.com. That's MasterPreps.com. Take a visit there. High-quality items, made-in-America items. I mean, anything, everything you could possibly want from uh, cooking uh, utensils, uh, cooking frying pans. To, I mean, it is, it'll blow you away. Absolutely, Erickson. It's insane. I mean, wow. Look at the products. Folks, visit masterpreps.com. Again, welcome to the Hagman and Hagman Report family, masterpreps.com. I mean, wow, it's insane. Masterpreps.com. Are you ready for what comes next? New Year from all of us at Training House in the Woods. We pray you have a healthy, safe, and prosperous 2017. And we would like to thank all of you for welcoming us to the Hagman and Hagman family. You're all a very wonderful and special group of people. Because we believe it is so important for you to work and acquire good health this year, we're going to do something that we've never done before as a thank you to you for your support. We're going to make something available that we believe everyone needs. During the month of January, anyone who invests in their health by purchasing either our American Heritage Remedies Kit, our Survivalist Natural Remedies Kit, or $200 in individual remedies of your choice, we're going to give to you our crisis remedy just in case for free. Your health must be a part of your preparation plan. We're here to help you with that journey. May God bless y'all and may God bless America. Happy New Year! Hello, everyone. This is Joe Charles, the guy whose voice is heard announcing for the Hagman and Hagman Report right here on YouTube and across the Global Star Radio Network. There have been many people wondering whose music is being played during those breaks. Well, you guessed it. And we're very pleased to announce that all that music and 11 brand new songs from the CD New Jerusalem is set for release on April 10th for download on iTunes. That means you can help support my ministry and be blessed by this awesome, inspiring recording. I have been fortunate to work with some phenomenal musicians from around the world that helped us put this recording together in the studio. Simply go to joecharlesmusic.com and click on the iTunes link. Or, if you'd rather have a CD, we'll send one right out to you. Just leave me your email and we'll get right back to you. And thanks to Doug and Joe Hagman for making this all possible. God bless.
back, folks, to this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Pastor David Langford is our very special guest. His website, thevoiceofevangelism.com. Visit that website and, of course, take advantage of his books, the media that he's got there. I would urge everyone to do that. And I'm going to come out of the gate apologizing to Pastor Langford for that question. You know, just very briefly, um, it, it seems like a simple question at its face. When you look at the three major religions, you've got uh, Judaism, Christianity, and um, Islam. All right, we know that Christians do not worship the same God as Muslims. We understand that. Um, and Joe reminded me, and he said, you know, you might have been kind of set up with that question. And, and yeah, I think you, you have. Um, I think we were because, in, in especially in Israel, you have uh, you Talmud, Messianic Jews and you have Talmudic Jews. Yeah, and then you've got in Christianity, some people think Mormons you have are Mormons, Christians. and you have yeah, you Jehovah have all these different. Uh, uh, so sorry about that question, Pastor. Yeah. Now, what it is, it's very simple. We believe in God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. They believe in Yahweh, they believe in Jehovah, Elohim. And the problem with the Jews right now, they're blind. Romans eleven twenty five: blindness in part has happened unto Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. They don't believe that Jesus is the Messiah. But when we pray to God the Father, we're praying to the same God they're praying to, but we pray to the Father in Jesus' name. See? Well, sir, if you ask the Father in my name, he will give you John fourteen thirteen. So we say, Father, in Jesus' name. They just pray to the Father. So when you say God, Elohim, yes. I remember walking out of the, uh, down at the Western Wall, and I said to the Lord, I said, why, why do I feel such a kindredness with these people? And uh, I feel like I could live in Israel and be very, very happy there, careful there. And I felt the Lord spoke tomorrow. He said, because you have the same Father. They just have not embraced my Son. See, so that's why when I said yes, we worship the same gods because of God the Father. See, Amen. That's so right. they just don't have a relationship with the Father because now it's through the Son. Right. So exactly. New yeah. Testament, and and, th- and thank you, and because we we could parse this down for unnecessarily. So I'm going to turn it back sure. to John. We have uh, some callers already lined up. Uh, so if you're ready, Pastor, we'll, we'll start taking some calls. Sure, we'll do the best we can. All right, we're going to go first to Robin in Oklahoma. Robin, welcome to the Hagman and Hagman Report. You're live with Pastor Langford. Well, hello. How are you? Thank Very you well. Much for taking my call. And thank you so much for taking my call. Um, my um, concern is this. I would like to know on your point of view about putting on the full armor of God as a Christian and in the days and age that we're facing right now, uh, you had uh, some spiritual warfare for the believers in tactics that we could use um, because there's a lot of things um, going on in Oklahoma, as you will know, with what um, the first guest was talking about. And it's um, with the organization that's in all 50 states, and that's CARE uh, Muslim Association, and it's just like they're taking over this this whole state and. I, I don't have any hatred against anybody, but I want to know in the spiritual warfare prayer time, I want to pray against a lot of this stuff that's going on because these people are very, very, very busy people, and I'm not around them. I pray that they get saved, but the point is there's things going on in my state, and I want, as a Christian woman, to learn the warfare proper warrior prayers and is it biblical that I can pray against some things that I do see 
that's going on in private, and I'm going to do that fast. You know, I was listening, and I took some notes as well. So that's my question. I mean, I'm just concerned about, you know, The, the spiritual armor of everywhere. God? Robin, yeah, you're, you're the, putting I'm on the spiritual just, armor? Yeah, just something, I mean, is it not, is it wrong? It's not, I don't feel it's wrong for me to pray against the, some of the evil events that are happening here in my state with things and it's, um, it's, I, it's not wrong you, know. you need to pray against that Second Corinthians 10.3 though we walk in the flesh we do not war after the flesh for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through God to the pulling down of stronghold casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God I pray against the evil I fast against the evil I plead the blood against the evil I walk Henry Gruber's renowned prayer walker he walks areas and prays against opposition. And so as children of God, Ephesians 6, you put on the whole armor of God. Don't go out there and battle and be ill-equipped. That's why you fast and pray, that you will have power over these entities. But I, you know, I think a lot of people fell on their faces and prostrated themselves before God in behalf of America and this nation and in this election. We were at the crossroads. This, this was the zenith of warfare. I, I could not pull this down. You could not pull this down. Only God could pull down the coronation of Jezebel, and he did. How long this will last, I do not know. I think as long as we keep fasting and praying, covering Donald Trump in the blood of Jesus Christ, praying for his protection, that this can be held back. And we know, according to Daniel chapter 10, the demon or the prince of Persia these powers are trying to control the world. And that's why you can't run out here with a ball bat or a two-by-four and fight a demonic entity or a fallen angel. It takes the blood of Jesus Christ. But I do believe we pray against that. We witness against that. We preach against that because the Word of God is a two-edged sword. So, yes, pray against it. Plead the blood of Jesus against it. And fast and direct your... Ian Bounds made a very powerful statement one time. He said, where prayer is focused is where the power of God will fall. So if you'll target your prayers and be specific, God can begin to bring those things down. And I believe he's going to bring some things down in behalf of his church. So put on the whole armor of God, plead the blood, and pray against that opposition. Robin, thank you for your call and your question. You have a great evening. Up next, we're going to move on to Jen in Pennsylvania. Jen, you're live on the Hagman and Hagman Report. Hi, Doug, Joe, and Pastor Langford. Um, I'm calling specifically because, um, well, where to start? Backslidden, okay, hot mess, whatever. But um, I've called in to the Hagman show a, year, a couple years ago, and... I was in a different place spiritually. Since that time, my nephew has been paralyzed. My stepdad's paralyzed. I have two family members that are paralyzed. I had a double hernia. My family isn't, I mean, we haven't recovered. And that's that's basically where we're at. And to say we got worldly, that's it, you know. I mean, I, I don't know how else to say this, but we didn't survive everything yet. <laughs> and uh, everything that could come against us has. And I think about this topic. I've been trying to just get back to the place where I need to get with the Lord. I know I can't do it. So, but um, 
you know, that's it. I don't even know where to start, but I know it's about fasting. And I couldn't even get through an hour of fasting today. <laughs> I was like, I can't even make it an hour, you know. That's that's where I'm at, but I, you Pastor, know, I mean, this, uh, Jen, I'll just, I'll just kind of cut to the chase with Pastor for you. Pastor, uh, J- yeah. Jen has been through a lot, okay? Uh, just seen a lot of tragedy, a lot of bumps, a lot of, just a, a whole ton of crud dropped in her yeah. lap over the last two years. Well, the question would have to be, is it self-inflicted or is it spiritual warfare? Psalm sixty six eighteen, David said, "If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me when I pray." You know, we 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 can't have it both ways. We can't work both sides of the street. Uh, Proverb twenty eight thirteen: He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. So, you know, all I can say to her is: Are are have you backslidden to the degree that you've given Satan? A place in your life, Ephesians four twenty six said, neither give place to the devil. You know, when we sin, we make a choice to either yield to that temptation or not yield to that temptation. Once we yield to that temptation, we have given Satan place, we've given him ground, we've given him territory, we've given him a right to come into our lives. Now, is it pure trial tribulation, persecution. That's another phase. Job went through that unknowingly because of Satan. Satan's objective was to cause, or try to cause Job to curse God to his face. Jesus said in John sixteen thirty three, in the world, you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Uh, Romans eight eighteen, Paul said, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time is not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed in us. Um, so is it self-inflicted, or is it a real bona fide trial of the enemy? You know, you'll have to make that determination. Uh, as I said, David said, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me when I pray. You know, we, we can't serve two masters, Matthew six twenty four. No man can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one, and love the other, else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You know, so we, we have to make that determination. When I came back to the Lord in 1978, I was determined. I was determined to live a life of victory. No one had lived in, in any more greater depth of sin than myself. Uh, as a backslidden young man called to be a preacher from the age of 12. But I was determined that I would not let anything, and it was difficult. I would be a liar if I said it was easy. It was hard. It took I practiced celibacy. I mean, it was it was hard. But I knew if I wanted what I needed from God, I couldn't play games. I had to sell out, and I did. That's why I said nobody ever mentioned one word to me about fasting. But something inside of me told me, if you want to overcome, if you want the kind of victory that you need as a single man, you need to fast and pray. And I did. I, you know, the, the, my first fast, I was still working a secular job, full-time job, and I fasted seven days and worked every day. But I was determined uh, to have victory in my life. And uh, 
You know, David said in Psalms 119, verse 133, Order my steps in thy word. Let no iniquity have dominion over me. That word dominion there in the Hebrew means lordship or authority. And, and I can honestly say, nothing has ever had lordship or authority over my life. Have I missed the mark? Have I sinned? Have I slipped? Yes. I've never gone back into open sin. Have I missed the mark? Yes. But because I've prayed that prayer, let no iniquity have dominion over me. God has never suffered anything in this present world to have authority over my life uh, nearly 40 years now because I made up my mind I wanted to live a life of victory. Uh, I don't believe in sinless perfection in our humanity, but I believe you can live days without sinning. Now, I know people don't believe that. But uh, I, I can't tell you when the last time I know that I have done something wrong. I know people, they have disdain and contempt for me. They said, one man said that to me and the, the, the conference in, in, in Texas this, uh, a year ago this coming March. He, he said, I don't believe you. I don't care whether he believes me or not. You don't have to sin. We're all confronted with it, but then you can say yes or no. And, and I've learned to say no, and the more I say no, the more powerful I become over mine enemy. The more I say no, the stronger I become. It's not me, but it's, it's allowing God to become bigger in me. That, that's the issue. Letting God, let, that's why David said, let God arise, Psalm 68, 1. Let God arise and his enemies be scattered. God's already risen. He's on his throne. That's God arising in you. Let God arise in you, and the enemies be scattered. You know, the seven sons of Sceva, when they, the, the unsaved man tried to cast them out, they said, the, the demon said, Paul I know and Jesus I know, but who are you? So they, the demons recognized the authority that Paul had, the, the authority that Jesus had, the authority that we as believers have. But if you're not living right, those demons will mock you, and mimic you and make fun of you because you don't have power over them. Remember, Jesus said in Luke ten nineteen, Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and on scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. But you can't have that power with sin in your life. The, the two just cannot uh, reside together. I said this. We'll move on to the next caller. But anything at its greatest strength is in its purest form. You take Clorox. You, you pour it out of the jug on the blue jeans, it'll turn them white, eat a hole in it. But you dilute it so you can use it for other things. But in its purest strength, it's powerful. And so when your heart is pure, the purer your heart is, the more power of the Holy Ghost that can work through you against opposition. And uh, and I've, I've seen it. I've, I've, I've walked it. I've lived it. I've seen the power of God fall. I've seen the power of God move things, heal people. Uh, but you got to be living right. Uh, because as I said, the devil will mock you in a heartbeat if he knows you're not living right and you try to do something in Jesus' name. I, I've known that to happen to men. Uh, they were not living right, and they, 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 they were in opposition against the enemy, and he mocked them. You know, one, 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 one preacher, this is a true story, the devil said, you can't cast me out, you're committing adultery. Demons are known as familiar spirits. They know what's going on in a man's life. So when you, when you go to do something, you better make sure 
there's not something in your life that he can bring up and accuse you. Because remember, he is the accuser of the brethren. And he, he knows when you're living right, and he knows when you're not living right, just like God does. And he fears those who live right because he knows they have power over him. And that's the key. So I don't know whether it's whether you've drifted away from God or it's just the fact that God is allowing you to go through a time of trial and of testing and, and of tribulation or adversity. Adversity makes us strong. It builds our faith. It makes us trust God and believe God even greater for the next uh, trial or tribulation or element that may come against us. So I'll, you'll have to determine that, Jen, in your own heart. What is this stemming from? And Jen, thanks for the call. You uh, you hang in there, and uh, hey, have ma'am. a great evening. Uh, up next, we have Kathy in Texas. Kathy, thank you for calling. You're live with Pastor Langford. Thanks, Pastor Langford. I would like for you to explain, you know, the false teachings in the church. A lot of them believe that the tribulation will be seven years rather than three and a half years, which is 42 months, which the Bible explains, um, and that they will actually have to go through the tribulation because the Bible says when you see the Antichrist sitting in the temple claiming to be God, and also if you would explain who the restrainer is, a lot of people think that's the Holy Spirit. Okay, a very lengthy question there. Uh, The Great Tribulation period is only 42 months, 1260 days, or time, times, and the dividing of times. Uh, Daniel 7.25, talking about the Antichrist, he shall speak great words against the Most High, shall wire out the saints of the Most High, and think to change times and laws, and they shall be given into his hand until a time, that's one year, times is two years, and the dividing of time is uh, is half a year, so that's three and one half years. They get the seven-year scenario uh, from Daniel 9, 27. He shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. That verse does not mention the rapture. It doesn't mention the great tribulation. It doesn't mention anything. It talks about a covenant. The Antichrist does not make a covenant with Israel. I get so tired of hearing that. All pre-tribbers will tell you the Antichrist makes a covenant with Israel. That's not what the Bible says. He shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. And now we've got the, I haven't, I didn't learn this until about two or three years ago. They're saying that's Jesus. That's Jesus. Well, the reason we know they're wrong is because in Daniel 9, the same chapter, verse 25, you see the word prince is in capital letters. And Daniel 9 and 26, the word prince is in small letters. You got the prince of the power of the air, and you got the king of kings, the lord of lords, and the prince, and that's the Messiah, Jesus Christ. So those who are now are, are saying that the prince there is Jesus is absolutely wrong, because one in verse 26 is a small p, the one in 25 is a big p. Those are two separate entities. One is Jesus Christ, the other is the Antichrist. And uh, the third part of the question was, who was the restrainer? The restrainer is Michael the Archangel. I find it very amusing. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. People can get mad if they want to, but I heard Jimmy Swagger preach a message years ago. It was a great message. He preached Isaac as God the Father. He preached, uh, excuse me, 
uh, Abraham was God the Father, Isaac was the Son, Eliezer was the Holy Ghost, and Rebekah was the Church. Let me go through that again. Abraham was God the Father, Isaac was God the Son, Eliezer was going to find Isaac a wife, was the Holy Ghost, and Rebekah was the Bride. But then I heard him also take Second Thessalonians 2, seven, For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. He says the he there is the church. Well, you can't preach both messages and be doctrinally correct. Because he said Rebecca is a woman, but the he here is a church. If the, if the church is a bride and the he here is the church, we really got mass doctrinal confusion. You just can't have it both ways, folks. That's because these men, though they have large, huge platforms, they still do not understand the Bible. The he there is none other than Michael the archangel, Daniel ten twenty one. but I will show thee that which is noted in the scripture of truth. And there is none that holdeth of me in these things but Michael your prince. Michael's the prince of Israel. Second Thessalonians two six, and now you know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. Who revealed the Antichrist in his time? How much time does he have? Three and one half years. So when Gabriel said to Daniel in Daniel ten twenty one, but I will show thee that which is noted in the Scripture of Truth. There is none that holds with me in these things, but Michael your prince. Gabriel prophesied Second Thessalonians two and six about 800 years or so before uh, uh, this was even penned. Seven, eight hundred years, I don't know exactly. I'd have to go back and look at my chronology there. But he penned who the, withhold, the one that would withhold would be Michael. And what happens, Michael is holding the Antichrist back. Once Michael is taken out of the way, that would be Daniel uh, chapter 12 and verse 1. And at that time shall Michael stand up the great prince which standeth for the children of thy people, talking about Israel, for, for the children of thy people. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation, even to that same time. And at that time thy people shall be delivered, everyone that shall be found written in the book relative to the book of life. So it says at that time Michael shall stand up. The Hebrew says he shall mount up or he shall ascend up. Where does he go? He goes into the heavenlies, Revelation 12 and 7. There was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels. So once Michael leaves, this opens the door for the Antichrist to come on the scene, and then he goes into the heavens, and he starts war with Lucifer, Satan, and his angels. And, of course, victory begins at the throne room of God. Another misnomer. If the devil is the accuser of the brethren, and the church is already in heaven, why in Revelation 12 and 10 is he still accusing us? Revelation 12 and 10, And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. So Satan is cast out of heaven. He no longer has access to heaven. He'll be cast out to the earth. Thus, Revelation twelve twelve. Therefore rejoice ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil is come down unto you having great wrath, 
because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. That is, the great tribulation is the wrath of Satan. It is a short time. It's 42 months. It's 1260 days or time, times, and half a time or the dividing of time. So there's your chronology. The great tribulation is one event. The wrath of God is distinctly a separate event because in Revelation 16 and 1, and I heard a great voice out of the temple saying to the seven angels, Go your ways and pour out the vials of the wrath of God upon the earth. We're not appointed unto that according to First Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 9 and 10. For God hath not appointed us unto wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. So the wrath of God is going to be vented on the evil, wicked people left on the earth uh, during that judgment period, but we are not appointed to that. So that's a very quick synopsis of the chronology of how that will happen. Wow, a lot of information there, Pastor. We got about three minutes left. We got one more call. Okay, Lon, uh, Lon, we got to do this real quick. Uh, welcome to the Hagman Hagman Report. Go ahead for Pastor Langford. Hey, Doug and Joe, and Pastor Langford. Yes, sir. Uh, about an hour ago, I was listening to what I consider one of the top four alternative news sites, and the host on that program came out and said that in 1948, uh, Israel never became a state or never became a country, and his reasons were that back then it was the Rothschilds who were uh, who are evil guys and uh, enemies of God. So I need to hear what you have to say on that. And Lauren, if I can ask you, just a distinction, is it was it a, a, a issue of whether God appointed the nation of Israel this time around or man? Or was it about... That it was man. Okay. It's both, God and man. God used man. Harry Truman recognized Israel five minutes after they raised the star of the flag of David. He sent a telegram and recognized Israel as a statehood. Got to remember... When God works in the earth, in the natural, he works through kings and governors and pharaohs and Nebuchadnezzar and Belshazzar and uh, Cyrus and Dyrus. He works through all of these governments. So it's both God and man. And so they became a nation May the 14th, 1948, and have been one since then. And as I said, it's half God, it's half man, because the Bible says that a nation would be born in a day and they were born and recognized as a nation in one day. So, yeah. Now, we get into all this all the time. No time's gone. Whether they are the true Jews of God or they're not the true Jews of God. Same way with the church. You got the wheat, you got the tares. God will meet that out and judge that and winnow it at his second coming. So I don't know who's the Jews of God, and I don't know who's the seed of Ishmael in Israel. Those are two seeds. Abraham regretfully fathered both of them. But God does use men to accomplish his will. Proverbs 21.1, the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. Pharaoh, God made him house, clothe, and feed Israel for over 400 years and made him raise up a nation on their dime. And then when God got ready to deliver them, he said, now give them the gold, the silver, and the fine linen. So God uses both himself and men to accomplish his will. Wow, uh, Pastor Langford, that was uh, that worked out perfectly. Fantastic! The calls took us right to the end of the the segment. 
And, um, folks, if you do have a question for Pastor Langford, Pastor David Langford at HagmanandHagman.com. In the subject line, make sure you put uh, Hagman questions, and he will address as many of those as possible on the last Wednesday of every yep. month. Yep. And um, I, I think we just heard tool. six months of uh, sermons in 60 minutes. I really do. <laughs> well, you know, people have great questions. People, people that study their Bible are intriguing because as they ponder the Scriptures, the words of God, their spirit is stirred by the Word of God, and they begin to look deeper because the Holy Spirit drives them to look into the depth and the breadth of God's Word. Enjoy it tonight, fellows. Thank you for allowing Thank me you, to sir. be here and to share what little bit of knowledge I have with the people of God. Well, thanks for, for doing so, God Pastor Langford. You, Pastor. you have a great week. Thank, Thank you, you both. So God bless you and bless right. the audience as well. Good night. That'll do it for us tonight, folks. God bless. Stay safe and saddle for battle.